What's going on guys? Jim here from Drink a Beer and Play a Game and welcome to episode 88 of the Power Hour podcast. No Brian tonight, unfortunately. He's feeling a little sick, a little rumbly in his tumbly, so he can't make it. But we have a we have a guest this week. We have a hell of a guest and we basically upgraded from Brian. We're going international this week all the way from Vancouver. We have the one and only tech guru, Izzy Nobre. Hey, how's it going guys? Izzy, thank you so much for coming on, man. No, it's, it's great to be here. We've been talking about like doing one of these for a while now, and it finally, the stars align, and we can actually can actually do this now. Yeah, I know. The beauty of the internet. You try to get something set up, and then it's like, oh, wait, 10,000 things in real life gotten away. All right, well, we'll can this for a little bit. That, that's always how it is, but finally, we're here. Yes. And we've got a lot to talk about. Oh, dude, we have shitloads to talk about. But before we get into all these topics, so Izzy... Why don't you tell the people a little bit about your channel? Like, I could go into how you're a big tech guy and a big emulator guy and a huge Game Boy fan, but I think you could sum it up better than I ever could. Sure. Uh, so, my name is Izzy Nobri. I'm originally from Brazil, uh, but I live in Canada now. I have been living here for the last 17 years. And I do a lot of... Um, I, I have a YouTube channel, too, in fact. One in Portuguese, one in English, and I cover tech news, current events. I talk a lot about, as you mentioned, emulators, portable consoles. I'm a huge Game Boy collector and fanboy. So that's that's about. I think that covers it all. I think sounds about right. Now, dude, you've been killing it too. Between your two channels, you're over seven hundred thousand subscribers. I about believe a, a little over that. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's been a lot of fun. It's like basically the best job I ever had because it's it's a lot of fun. Basically, like I I get paid to talk about things that I'd be talking about anyway. So like that's a, that's not a bad way to to pay my rent and buy my food. You know. Yeah, right. You definitely can't be, especially like even for small guys like us. We sit around and we're like, we want to talk about this shit anyway. We need to have an outlet. Need to have yeah. a hobby at this point, so it's perfect. It's perfect. Now, I believe you're not much of a drinker, correct? I am not. I, uh, as of late, I've dabbled slightly, really? but I've never been. Yeah, just like very little, right? Like uh, what you'd call girly drinks really is my go-to. It's very like I, I drink maybe once, twice a year when I'm goaded enough by my friends and if we're having a good time and like, I don't want to, you know, ruin the mood. Oh, okay, hey, I'll, I'll have a drink or whatever. But it's, I don't go out of my way typically. I do have drinks in the house, mm -hmm. but uh, for, for guests and things like that, which I guess they're going to last forever what with the so-called second wave of COVID going on and everything. Yeah, really. Can't really have friends over. But uh, I do, you know, on occasion, um, I, I drink a little bit. Now, of course, when you do dabble, what's Very your well. go-to? Um, it's gonna. Be, I mean, I already, I already said girly drinks, so it's not gonna be as embarrassing now. But uh, strawberry daiquiris, I like. Delicious. Uh, Smirnoff Ice. They're, they are delicious. They're like juice that gets you fucked up. I mean, can't, can't, can't go wrong with that. Um, but yeah, no, that's pretty much it. Like strawberry daiquiris. Um, there's some some girl I was seeing some time ago. She got me into um, apple cider or something or other. All right. Also kind of sweet. It's a little bit of a little sweet. Uh, so that, but again, it's not a thing that I go out of my way to experience very often. I had a very religious upbringing, mm. and I think that delayed acquiring a taste for alcohol. I think that's my theory, anyway. So you know, I'm assuming with uh, especially like the giant Jesus statue in Rio and all that stuff, like yeah. I'm sure, like what is it, Catholicism that's huge down there, or Catholicism is huge. But my family was Protestant; they were Evangelical Protestants. Okay, yeah, I was born yeah, Catholic, yeah. so basically same same ballpark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's we're like the DLC to Catholicism, I think. Right, that's how we'd see it. Like, you're like, this like is okay, but we could fix this, and then a spinoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's our own thing here. So you see how that goes, and then there's the spinoffs of the spinoff. It's it's branching, right? It's so complex. Right, exactly. Or you're like us, and then you know your high school principal starts diddling some kids, and he just disappears one day, and then you're like, oh, yeah, uh oh. 
And you start to question everything. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, what the, hmm, what was this all about here? Yeah, and back to your girly drink thing. I actually was doing a little thing to mess with my wife for a while where every time we would go out, I would look at the menu and order the girliest looking thing that I possibly could just to see the nice. reaction that would be coming from the waiters they come over there. <laughs> so they'd be bringing over this big thing with like sparklers coming out of it and like five like and curly it's the straws. the bearded dude that, oh, thank you so much with the pinky. Oh, oh yeah, and delicious. the best part is always when they start to give it to her and I go, ah, ah, ah. Ah, that's funny. That's funny. I, I got to do that sometime. <laughs> oh, dude, trust me. It always gets a laugh out of them. They're just like, what What am I getting myself into? Okay, all right, fine. <laughs> Talk about subverting expectations. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's like Ryan Johnson, but like not terrible. That kind of deal. Not terrible. That's right. Oh, I hate that guy. Don't get me started on Ryan Johnson. <laughs> and you know what? I hated Ryan Johnson before it was cool. So like I'm a hipster in hating. I hated him from back in like Looper. Looper was a, a movie that gave me a migraine in that everybody seemed to think it was so great. And I just had so many problems with, with the story that I'm like, I, I can't get invested in this. And it upsets me that I seem to be the only one that cares about these inconsistencies in the story. So I, I've, I've had a dislike for him from, from back in, like, the, the one movie that everybody seems to be unanimously in love with. I'm like, no, I hated that too. And I was hating him before it was school. So, again, uh, I'm, I'm a hipster when it comes to hating Ryan Johnson. So as soon as you heard about Last Jedi, you're just like, nope. Yes, exactly. I did a video back then. Like, everybody's so excited. Oh, Ryan Johnson did Looper. It's going to be great. I'm like... Did we see the whole the same movie? Oh, nobody agrees. Okay, I'm the only I'm the asshole. All right, fine. All right, okay, I'll take this one, I guess. See, here's where I'm gonna be the asshole though. I actually wish episode eight was episode seven, just so it could be like that kind of fresh start. I think episode seven. I don't know. I think the soft reboot kind of hurt it out of the gate. Well, Disney not planning. See, uh, yeah, that that's a big thing. Like Kathleen Kennedy, for all her successes in the in the industry, it's amazing that they what was it four billion dollars they bought Some, Star Wars off of uh, Lucas so, something like that, and they didn't have a plan for it. That's what like hurts the brain. They got JJ. I'm fine with JJ Abrams, right? But as you said, the soft reboot, it's like it's treading familiar territory. And I'll tell you this. I'm such a huge Star Wars bitch. Like I grew up on that shit. I played the games. I I played with like the you know the lightsabers with my brother as like I did the whole thing. Like when Star Wars Battlefront, the first one for the PS2 came out, that was like the game I felt my whole life was leading up to. Right? Like I was that big mm -hmm. a fan. I, I still have the action figures. I got the whole thing. Right? So I was excited when uh, when they when Disney bought the, the franchise because like obviously this means a new movie. And when the movie came out, I saw it three or four times in theaters. And by the last few times, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to see the cracks here, but whatever, it's still a fun romp kind of thing. Right. By the time the second movie came around, I'm like, oh, they don't have a clue. I see. Fine. When the third movie came out, I was already like, my expectation was already very low, and they managed to do worse than I was expecting. So I remain, it's, here's the sad thing, right? Mm-hmm. As a, as a Star Wars fan, to think that there's what, like some 12 movies now, if you include the, the, because there's like the nine movies in yeah, there's two, there's two spinoffs, right? Mm -hmm. There's Solo and there's Rogue One. Right. So 11 movies, 11 movies altogether, right? If I'm not mistaken. I'm, I'm not, I don't do much with the, with the series. So I hear good things yeah. about like, uh, you know, the series, but I'm not a, I'm not a big series guy. I'm more into the movie when it comes to Star Wars. Right. So to think that there's only two Star Wars movies that I'm like, no, those are absolutely without qualifiers. They're great films out of 11. Yep. Out of 11. That's not a great Shrek record. Is that one of the hardest parts of growing up is realizing there's really only two good Star Wars movies if you want to talk about what an actual good movie is? Yeah, and you know what's worse? My favorite Star Wars movie, right, Return of the Jedi, mm -hmm. is probably objectively the, 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 
the worst of the original trilogy. Yeah. Like, it sags in the middle big time. The thing with the Ewoks is just like, what the fuck, right? So, like, I was I was huge. Like, Return of the Jedi was my Star Wars movie because it was the first one I saw, yeah. right? Uh, and imagine, like, my surprise when I was like, oh, there's there's two others? Holy shit, like, I'm in. Uh, I have, like, a big, like, a framed, like, uh, like the poster, but, like, on a, on an actual, like, uh, like, like, as a, as a, as a, not a painting, but like it's on a canvas and everything, like one of big ones. Yeah. Not it's not a framed poster, it's like a canvas. It's it looks a little a little classier, I guess. Um, and I have like the you know the game like uh, Return of the Jedi like on the Super Nintendo. I played the hell out of that game. Did you ever beat that? So that was. Fuck yeah, dude! I still remember the password Jeez. for the last level. Yeah, hell's yeah, man. Oh dude, yeah. I'm so fuck. I also didn't grow up with the Super Nintendo, so like I'm in my twenties. I go back. I'm a Genesis kid. Look at this bullshit. Yeah, I, I can t- I can definitely tell. Like that was a that was a giveaway right there. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we were the one console family, all that shit growing up, so my brother had the Genesis, so I was like, oh, I guess we're just doing this. that's what it was back then. Like, this whole thing about having all consoles, when you think about it, for, for people like us, that's relatively recently, because we grew up on, like, you pick the one, and that's the one you have, and that's it. So mm-hmm. it turns out, that, like, oh, the Super Nintendo has games I want to play? Well, I guess those games are shit as far as I'm concerned, because I can't play them. Now, actually, that brings up a good point. So how long did you stay in Brazil for? I thought it was most of your life, right? 19 years. 19 yeah. years. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 37 in a week. Sorry, 36 in a week. So 19 years. A good chunk of my life, yeah. Oh, well, one happy birthday. And what do you call yeah, it? Yeah, man, thank you. So, like, in our, like, retro gaming scene and shit like that, like, everyone always talks about how big the Master System and crap was in Brazil. Is that, like, oh, is that a meme or is that, like, legit? No, it's absolutely legit. Not only was the, the actual Master System huge, there were a lot of clones as well. Yeah. Both for the Master System and for the NES, right? So the Master System, I... I don't quote me on this because I'm not a Sega guy, mm-hmm. right? But the Master System was still sold in stores in Brazil relatively recently, into the 2000s. Oh, yeah. Right? So, yeah, yeah. And there have been re-releases, like reissues and stuff like that. So, the Master System was massive. I believe it's because Sega had... I forget the company, but they were... Tectoy. locally, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Tectoy. Tectoy, yeah. They did Sega stuff. Tectoy. Uh, Tectoy was massive. Like, they were a big name in, in, in uh, electronic toys. Um. Uh. So yeah, it was that. W- that was one of the reasons why it was so popular. It was very affordable, mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, and they they had a big foothold in the. Uh, and there's a lot of games like ROM hacks using like Brazilian characters that came out as like official games on a cartridge and everything. So yeah, the master. I didn't have one personally. My my cousins had them, so I played on the master some bunch. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it was huge. It's still like when you think like eight bits, like eight bit generation in Brazil. That's where people's minds go to. They go to the master system. So like a good American, I don't know shit about foreign culture because you know why would I ever put the time out there? But I'm learning <laughs> so much about goddamn Brazilian culture following you and your Brazilian account. Oh right so, on. How many it's goddamn games place. are they making for like Belisario and shit like that? Uh, sorry for who? Is, was it Belisario? Who's your leader? I oh, oh the president. Yeah, Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro. Yeah, yeah. How many games you mean? Yeah, is anyone like, just making mean? those random like a random shmup where you have to like kill him or like he's a final surprisingly, boss? Surprisingly, no. I I don't know of any. Surprisingly, really. I think if I think I think if you were if you were president around the time of like remember Newgrounds and shit like oh, that. Oh yeah. Then that would have totally been a thing. As a as of like as far as I know, there hasn't been any games that use his likeness for like you know for either because he has a lot of supporters and he has a lot of detractors. So I imagine there'd be like a, almost a, a game war, like people making games. Where they praise him in games where they shit on him. But no, not that I... I'm going to have to research this after the show. Dude, that might be a black market you have to go th- tap into the next time you're down there. <laughs> yeah, also, yeah, smuggle, like me, smuggle me some goddamn Master System games. Those expensive ones here. <laughs> I need, I need street- What's an expensive Master System game? The Streets of Rages. They're crazy expensive. 
I don't know if they came out for the. I imagine it's one of those like like the Sonic for the Master System, which is like yeah, it, it's like a dumbed down port basically, but it's still like pretty solid, okay. kind of the same. Really? Or what the fuck? Like they eventually, like Tech Toy eventually did like Street Fighter Two and Mortal Kombat Three and Duke Nukem, stuff like that. Really? And they're all like hundreds of dollars. Really? Because I mean, like Crawfish Interactive. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. They mm-hmm. you, they were a developer in the days of like the Game Boy Color and the Game Boy Advance, and they're known. Like they made a name for themselves for making incredible games for the hardware. Street Fighter Two for the Game Boy Color, made by these guys, yeah, is downright unbelievable. Look it up after. Like the both like watch videos or play if you have a chance. It's hard to believe that game is running on a Game Boy Color because it's so fast. The colors are like it's it's a beautiful game, and the it, you wouldn't think that a fighting game would work that well with two buttons and if you compare it to like it, it becomes even like the quality becomes even more unbelievable if you compare it to any mortal Kombat game oh, yeah. on the same system the mortal Kombat games for the game game boy were not great mm. um so like yeah street fighter 2 on the game boy color look it up it's like it's impressive yeah and these guys are like they made a name for themselves making those ports you know what what do you call it like i know a guy we both follow derek stop skeletons from fighting he did a whole of course i love his channel man dude he's fantastic and he did like all those ports and i saw like the game boy color one. i was like holy shit this looks great and then all the game boy advance ports are like alpha that are like just top tier yeah and just thinking like how the hell do they pull this off no it's it's incredible and these guys from this company crawfish in fact crawfish interactive they are a a, a, a um, a familiar name in uh, Derek's channel is Stop Skeletons from Fighting because they, they cover a lot of like impressive ports and things like this. Mm-hmm. So that company, I, I believe they went bankrupt a long time ago, but those guys are very talented of squeezing everything a console could put out. Oh yeah, and that's always crazy to see. And I know you're a big Game Boy guy. Have you ever, so if you ever come across like this game called Paraquest, it's not a great game, but it's one of those ones that's like, it's a one-on-one fighter, but it's impressive just how well it plays. What is it called? I'm not familiar with it. Paraquest. Oh, Power Quest. I've heard of it, but it's so it's a it's a fighting game. Yeah, it's a one on one fighter. It's like a Street Fighter clone, but it's really? all like you're all cyborgs and shit. Really, Power Quest. I gotta look, and that's for the Game Boy Color. It's game original Game Boy, but it's also like one of those ones that are enhanced by the Game Boy Color. So it's a oh, black sure. card. Like, yeah, like yeah, the black card. Like the uh, in in the in the first run of those, if I'm not mistaken, they would refer to those games as DX. So there's like Tetris DX. There's like Zelda DX. Right. It was the ones that came in the black card that was like they were Game Boy games. But they were enhanced for like with actual with actual colors. Mm-hmm. I only have a few of those in my collection because I, I haven't bought too many of those. I usually go for the original ones. Yeah. But I do have Prince of Persia that is in that format where it's the black cart and you can play it on the Game Boy Color and it has colors. Really? How's that one? I never did yeah. that one. Prince of Persia is great. It, it's a port of the DOS version. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's really great. I love it. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, I remember. Be- to see a game that you played on the PC on a Game Boy didn't happen very often. That's the thing. There's not that many PC games that I can think of that had Game Boy ports. And Prince of Persia is one of them. So I was like, I got to get this. All right. I'm going to have to keep an eye out for that. Because I remember like grinding through when I beat Santa Time. It's like, oh, I unlocked the original. And then like going from that like heavy action, rewind shit to like a plotting, methodical, like cinematic It's a little like side scroll. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, 14-year-old uh, me was like, what the fuck is this? What did I walk into? I guess. It's, it's a massive downgrade if you're going from Sands of Time to that. Um, those games, I forget the genre. Like, back then, we'd call them, like, Prince of Persia-like. It's like a side-scroller where, like, you get one screen at a time, and when you reach the corner, like, you load a different one, right? So there's right. a lot of games out of this world. Flashback, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Blackthorn by Blizzard. That's yep. one of the, the greatest ones on the Super Nintendo. All the Odd Worlds. Uh, yeah, Odd Worlds, exactly. I, I miss that genre. Yo, Heart of Darkness on the PS1. That's a good one, too. Never played that. It's very good, like very fluid cartoon-like animation. The kind of game that like aged very well, like for being on the PS One, mm-hmm. like the very cartoony, very like it's it's look it up. It's it's a beautiful game. 
right, no, I'll definitely give that a go. Because that's like, I know Skull Monkeys is the more fucking, um, like, the action platformer type. But the one, like, Tenable made it. Uh, the one before that. I forget what it was called. Tenable, right? Neverworld. Neverworld, that's it. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah, because that was another one that was, like, almost point and clicky, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, so, no, I mean, I think that whole generation, like, it's a, we talk about all the time how, like, it's a shame that 2D kind of got, like, pushed aside. It really is, especially because, like, especially, like, I wish more games, because, like, systems like the, the PlayStation, especially, they excelled at games like this. Like, you look at, like, 3D uh, games on, on the PlayStation era, and they did not age very well no. at all. There's a, there's a lot of alliance, there's a lot of, like, textures that, like, clip through one another, like... It was the it wasn't the wavy the wavy distortion. Yes, yes. But then you look at like the two D games. Like you look at your uh I don't know, um Symphony of the Nights, right? You look at your like Heart of Darkness, like I mentioned earlier, and they still look beautiful to this day, right? It's oh, yeah. like you got the two D stuff, like sixteen bit style, but enhanced by the, the extra horsepower on the PlayStation. And these are like games for the ages. They look beautiful still to this day. So I as you I said, I wish that uh, companies had stuck around with 2D a little bit more because the PlayStation could do some some stuff that that aged far better than than what the the 3D graphics were trying at the time. Yeah, I mean that's why lately I've been getting into a shitload of like, especially for the N64 because that was like the console I had next after the Sega. So, like you talk, you look at the library and it's like, yeah, this is eh, it's got a few hits and then the rest is woof. But then you go to like all the Japan only shit that never came out over here and you're like, god damn it, we missed out. They're getting a bunch of cool stuff. Do you play it in Japanese or do you get like ROM hacks or something like that? No, I just play it in straight. I try to get the ones that you can play without knowing Japanese because right. I'm too old to learn a new language at this point. So like if you get like Bangayo or Sin and Punishment, which is actually like spoken in English. So there, yeah. there's games out there that you can play. But I don't know. It's fun when you have nothing left to do and you're just like, oh, even though my backlog is hundreds upon hundreds of games long. and I, I still would imagine, go, yeah. And I still go out and keep buying more. But beyond the point. <laughs> But yeah. That's the life. Oh, I see some PSP titles over there. Luminous. What else you got there? Uh, Luminous. What do you call it? A couple of the Mega Mans. Hot of course. Uh, Powered Up and Maverick Hunter X, I assume? Yep. Oh, yeah. Powered Up. The both of them. Then uh, Of course. You're speaking my language here. I'm a PSP guy. Oh, that's right. You are a big PSP guy. I'm a huge PSP guy, dude. My PSP Go, I almost never leave the uh, like my house without it. And, dude, you've done a shitload of great videos on that, too. And oh, not yes. to mention, you were the one before even like Metal Jesus Rocks and some other people going, "Oh, hey, this was the first Switch, guys. Like the dock and all this. Hey, yeah, every, yeah, everyone, look yeah, at this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that's a video that I'm I'm very critical of my own work, but that's a video that I rewatch and I'm like, I often rewatch my videos and I think like I could have said this differently. I spoke a little too fast in that bit. Like that joke didn't land. Like there's a lot of things that I like try to like improve but that video every time i watch i'm like i'm very i'm very happy with how that video turned out that's i think my one video that i wouldn't have changed anything like everything like i give a little tutorial on how to like get the the whole thing set up which is something that i don't usually do because getting tutorials done it's a lot of work you have to like do all the b-roll of setting it up and explaining it really properly and referring to exactly like the language that shows up on like the menus and things so that people can actually use that as a as a a reference video right right It's, it's why i don't do tutorials very often it's a lot of work and that video like i feel like i did exactly what i set out to do and i'm very proud of that one that's the one video that i'm like everything else like i would do completely different that video i'm really proud of all the other ones you're going back and going yeah but like oh some of them it's like oof this is hard to rewatch. so do you have the problem where a lot of your videos that like people want find up randomly finding or like have the most views or the ones you just look at and like 
oh, this is shit. No one's going to stick around for this. What the fuck? All the time. There's videos where I'm thinking, like, you know, I like the script. This is a banger. The delivery was, you know, everything was well put together. And then it, it performs kind of iffy. And then you put videos out that, like, you felt like I just got to put a video out right now because otherwise, like, the, the, sh- the, the channel's going to go two weeks without any content. I'll just do it however. Didn't write a script. I'm just, like, riffing off the top of my head. And then it's, like, one of some of the most popular videos I've ever done. It's, like... And there's this cargo cult almost culture on YouTube in a way where nobody really knows what's the secret, the formula. You hear a thing here and there because it worked in the past. Right. But sometimes you'd follow the formula and it doesn't work. And then you do it just like however and it works perfectly. So like nobody really knows how to like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it almost seems like like by the time you get to an article that's like, oh, this is, you know, the new trend, this is how you should do it, you put it in there and like putting the hashtags in there so it's like make it more searchable yeah, or doing yeah. this and that. It's And it's like, oh, my views are going down in general for new shit. What the fuck's going on? Absolutely. That's why I said like cargo cult. We're just kind of like, you know, I saw that guy doing that and it worked. I should try it exactly like that. But we don't fully understand all the, I mean, I'm sure there's some YouTube gurus who know way more than I do. Right. But that's the sentiment I get. Like, sometimes, you know, you, you put a video out and you think this is going to be, like, solid and it doesn't perform well. And you do something just, like, to basically have something for that week and people love it. Like, there's been videos where I, I almost start apologizing, saying I didn't have as much time, this is going to be off the cuff, and people loved it. And I'm like, oh, okay, that, that was a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. And then you had the random videos where it's just like, oh, I have all this footage on my f- computer, I got to do something with it. So let's grip a little space in. Uh, here's a topic. Here's oh, a let's play. Yeah, a, a lot, dude. Like all the B-roll that I've shot over the years, I'm like, I could probably make a video of it. Like I want to use this footage. So let's let's try to make a video around that. That happens a lot. The creative process is full of little interesting tidbits like that. Yeah, like Brian and I over the course of COVID, like we almost turned into like a My Life and Gaming light where before we would meet up once a week, an excuse to... Because we started off as like college friends and now we're brothers-in-law, so... It turned yeah. out to be a way to be like, oh, let's get away from our girlfriends and our wives and just, you know, slam some beers and play some video games and shit like that. So we still keep it's, that up. It's and- a great time to kill an afternoon, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah, dude. Right? Especially before kids. And then we were able to, you know, get really smashed and be like, I don't think I'm doing work tomorrow. But nice. now we have to wake up with the little one and, you know, that goes out the window. Then we punish ourselves. But, but now it's turned into a thing where, like, every once in a while we'll get together. But for the most part, it's like he does a video. I do a video. So this is like the most I've ever done is like pure like one on like single content creation and i'm getting to that mm. point where i have like five videos lined up and little bits and pieces for each one and i'm like oh shit all right i'm not gonna let myself do this one until i finish this one and get this one uploaded and finish editing the yeah. editing this one so it's that whole but, process um, dude it's just fucking it's crazy and you juggling two channels like how the hell do you do that uh i very little sleep i guess i uh, hired my brother recently my brother worked for a construction company and then he's like you know uh, why don't we work together? Because my brother is like a phenomenal cinematographer and photographer, right? And mm-hmm. he has a, a very good, like, um, a creative mind, let's say, yeah. right? Um, so he's like, we should work together. Like, we obviously enjoy the same things and we work kind of in the same field. Why, why have we never tried to partner up? I'm like, yeah, let's do that. And it's been phenomenal because it takes a lot of the stuff from my plate that would be more like... Like editing, for instance, right? Like I, I feel like I'm better at like writing and shooting and talking to people and engaging them than the editing part. So like he does the editing, he helps me with the script. We kind of like do like some um, like we workshop together like ideas for videos and things like that. That's why I've been way more productive now because nine o'clock. And that's the other thing too. The other added benefit is that he shows up at my place at nine o'clock. There's no such thing as like ah, I don't feel like making a video today. Like he's here now. Like I gotta get up, and get dressed, and right. and work right. So I've been putting out in the main channel. I've been putting out two videos a day. 
And then on the English channel, I've been putting, there's a video, it's, there's a new vi English video, like I'm just waiting. I mean, now I can say this because it's, it's out in the open. Right. I was sponsored by, uh, by Oculus to talk about the Oculus Quest 2. Right? Nice. So they sent me one. Yeah, it was really nice. And I was already like a huge, like, you know this, I'm a huge fan of VR. Oh, yeah. I was a big fan of the, of, of the company and their efforts in making VR more mainstream. Mm -hmm. So when they contacted me, I'm like, this is the best kind of partnership there is because I was going to buy the device regardless. And in fact, something that I had already bought it on pre-order anyway. So I ended up with an extra one. I gave it to my brother so he can play, you know, some of the VR games, multiplayer and stuff. Nice. Uh, and it was awesome. So I'm just waiting for them to give the final say-so. Like, I think the video, like, they asked for another revision. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, it's very important for these brands to, to like, add a lot of disclaimers that this is sponsored content. With the SEC cracking down on, like, deceptive advertisement, you know, practices, the brands are like, we got to make absolutely clear. So, like, if they watch the video and they feel like... You didn't mention it enough times. Like, you only said it five times. Could you maybe say 13 times? I'm exaggerating, obviously, but that's right. kind of like they want to make sure that they're, they're, they're within the rules, right? So they just added, you know, they asked, like, can you, can you put it, like, maybe in the beginning of the video? Can you add one in the, in the end? We want to make, we want everybody to be certain that they know that you were paid to do this, even though it's something that you enjoy. And I've been an enthusiast of VR and the company for many years. Oh, yeah. Like, before the Quest came out, I was already a big fan of VR and the company and what they're doing, right? They're the main company pushing this stuff out right now. But they still felt it was very important to be very open about that, and so do I. Because I, I don't want to make, I don't want, I don't want to make a video where I'm being paid for this, and people not know that that happened, right? Right. And especially if I'm going to be so enthusiastic about the product, right? Because it, it would look even worse if it came out after the fact. Now, how do I convince them that no, I swear, I'm a really big fan. They're not going to care that I've been making VR videos for years. Right. It's going to look bad regardless, right? So, uh, yeah, so that's why it's, it's taking a little while because there's that back and forth of like me saying in the video and they're like, mm, let's make it more clear that, you know, to, com to, to comply with the rules and for, for transparency, make sure that they know throughout the entire video that you have been paid for to, to work with us. So, yeah. That's cool. And it's actually nice to hear that a company's being like really trans, like overly transparent about it. Cause you hear oh, all yeah. the, you hear all the horror stories about people trying to be like brand ears are here. Let me give you this little thing, but don't tell anyone that you sent us yeah, this yeah, and shit yeah. like that. Yeah, some companies do that. Oculus, not the case. They want to make sure that people know that there's transparency. All the videos, all the other influencers, they make it very clear. They reach out to us. They, they send us the product. Uh, but, you know, and the opinions, like, they, they didn't tell me to hold back on anything or any, like, don't make any criticism. No, like, I talk in the video some things that I wish they had done differently. Yeah. Uh, and they're okay with that. They just want to make sure, like, don't, we don't want it to appear that this is deceptive in any way. Like, they, anybody watching your video has to be absolutely 100% clear they know you are working with us you're not just saying that we're great or the product is great and and not disclosing that fact no that's very cool no, where the fuck mm. my phone? yeah and congratulations man on that shit because no, i mean awesome. yeah awesome. i mean between like i've been watching you for ages so like i've seen you from like the first oh, oculus and divide time, and yeah. shit Oh, oh yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I try to get that line between like reply guy and not be annoying with shit and stuff like that. But I don't, dude. I don't. I don't worry at all. Like the people who, like the people who reply to my stuff. Like I appreciate. Like, why do you think I'm, I'm? You know, I make the time. Like I was out eating wings with my buddy. I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta record. I'm doing a podcast with a buddy online, and like somebody who's been consistently watching my stuff and engaging in the conversation of course i'm going to make time to 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 i want that to be a two-way street of course right right yeah. i try to i wish i made more time to reply to the people who always reply to my stuff especially people who are con like people whose avatar like their display picture and their name i'm familiar with because i see them all the time mm -hmm. those guys those are like the best people to have around i find like these are the people who truly believe and enjoy what you do and those are the people that i want to devote the most attention to because these are you guys are the people who allow me to do this for a living so no i don't care about you being a reply guy whatsoever <laughs> Ever do. 
Yeah, we, I don't. I don't see it that way at all. Yeah, and because it's the thing like we're all YouTubers here, so we know like all right, let's help them out. Especially if you like someone, it's like all right, let's get a little engagement here and put the like, blah 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 blah, all that bullshit. Not to jerk myself mm. off or anything like that, but yeah, it's that kind of deal where it's like we all know the game, we all try to work the game, and it's at least when there's just ones out there, it's like oh okay, help you out, help me out, blah 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 blah, that kind of bullcrap. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But speaking of helping people out, we have a mm. Patreon, so. Patreon.com slash drink a beer and play a game. I never do transitions that well. For as little as $2 a month, you can ask a question that we will answer on each and every single episode of this Power Hour podcast. First question comes to us from our buddy, Burn Retinas. Sega honors the Genesis very often in anniversary collections and plug and plays. The Master System, Saturn, Sega, Sega CD, 32X libraries never really got that kind of love in the form of essential collection. Is it a shame on their part or is it just not worth the effort for niche appeal software? I would say it's the it's the latter. Uh, those systems, uh, I mean, the Sega Genesis was the Sega console, right? Like one could argue, yes. and I'm sure you're probably going to agree yes. with that. Yes, obviously you'd argue, you'd agree with that. One might argue that the Dreamcast was a, a phenomenal console. That just the timing and the struggles they had, like in the development, right? Like there was that whole debacle with uh, who was it? it was a uh, 3D effects? Yeah. They they were going with a different chip, and then they, there was a lawsuit. Like there was. The, the birth of the Dreamcast was problematic, and then it was around the time when the PlayStation 2 came out. Sega had burned through the goodwill, uh, the, 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 the consumer goodwill, with all the problems with like putting out systems too frequently and discontinuing one before like the, the, the install base was really like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the Dreamcast was a great system. It was ahead of its time in a lot of ways, right? It was the first system, correct me if I'm wrong, that came with a built-in modem, right? Uh, I, I think it was so. The first. Unless you count the GameCom, uh, I think. I think the GameCom had one. Did it have one? The GameCom was that not an accessory? It might have been. You might no, be I think right. You're, I, I, I don't. I mean, the GameCom is so fucking obscure. So it will be excused for not knowing this off the top of our heads. Right. I'm sure. And it's from like the GameCom is what 1997, 1998, something like that. Yeah, maybe a year well, if the, that. Like maybe difference. a year if that. Yeah, yeah exactly. The, and nobody fucking bought that thing. And nobody, I'm sure nobody used that. Like the Dreamcast was the first system where it's like this is a a, a feature that's built into. To, to the thing and it came with windows c if i'm not mistaken That's as well it. which allowed for a lot of interesting ports so we could attach like a keyboard and actually use the internet right like mm-hmm. you could put a mouse uh i think it wasn't the first uh, system that you could like use a mouse to play video games right like some others like the the, the super nintendo had a mouse but yep. it didn't function with many games the playstation had a mouse the uh, the n64 had one but the, the, the Dreamcast was the first one that I actually saw people using that. Like, people would plug their... In fact, that was a big selling point among PC gamers, that you can buy the Dreamcast and use a keyboard and mouse to play, like, Quake Arena and things like that. Yep. Nobody was doing that with the N64, right? So, it was ahead of its time in a lot of ways, but the timing and the fact that Sega had already burned through their goodwill with, like, you know, launches that weren't quite, you know, there. they weren't ready for prime time, let's say. Yeah. It makes sense why the Genesis is the one that gets all the love because it's the one that most people had, the one that pe- most people remember, right? So it's it's a shame for you know I assume the the guy Burton Retinas, right? His mm-hmm. name. I assume he's probably a fan of maybe the 32X that wishes that there were more re-releases. Yeah. But is that oh he, look he has all the 32X games. Well, yeah, I have actually that's a third of the library right there. Ten games is I'm basically joking. a third I, of the library. I, I know, I know, I'm joking. Uh, but it's I, I don't think I've ever seen that many 3DS, uh, 3DX games in one place like that yeah I have a problem but uh, <laughs> um, oh, you don't have all of them that's the problem that, that is the problem so Patreon keep going so I can buy Spider-Man Web of Fire and finish it off for the love of God there you go so I can finally be complete because I lived through my old plastic 
Next up from everybody, but yeah, to your point, like I think it really does come down to like no one's gonna buy like a, a, anything not named Dreamcast. Like I don't even think a dedicated Saturn Mini would sell that well. I would oh, almost, I, I, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't. I, like as much as we people like to say they like the Saturn, no one even bought it then. Less would buy it now. It, it's niche. Wasn't the Saturn something ridiculous like six hundred bucks when it came out or something like that? Was the Saturn the super expensive one? I think. I mean, the 3DO was like seven hundred bucks, but I think the Saturn was probably like a good five hundred. At least. And this is like, the Saturn came out, what, 1996? 94-95, depending. Oh, that, okay, yeah, so yep. that's even worse. That's that's 1994. What did you say, $500? Something like that. I'm, I'm guessing, but yeah, I think so. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a bad one. That, that's that's a hard one to justify, especially when the library was so small. Yeah, especially when it's so small. I think it only sold like 10 million units. I think like if you're going to do that, bundle all the other random ones together, because even at Dreamcast, like it has its games, but... A lot of them are also ports of, like, the arcade and shit, so if they want to yeah. be like, oh, this is our Sega Celebration console, take, like, 10 from one, 10 from another, put them all together, make it affordable, for the love of God. See, the Dreamcast one would sell, I believe, because there's a lot of, uh, of, of, uh, in Brazil, we, we refer to them as Dreamcast Widows. Ah, it's we like got the, them, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So my, my microphone peaked in a really weird way. I'm not sure what happened here, so I guess you'll see when you're putting it together. Anyway. No problem. Um... Yeah, so I, I'm sure that if they were to release like a, a mini Dreamcast or something like that with like 10 of the best games, they'd probably do more than 10 for sure. Right. I I would buy one. I didn't have a Dreamcast growing up. I wanted one. I would definitely buy that. Yeah, I have a Dreamcast like right a now. Saturn, not so much. Yeah, I would love to have a Saturn mini. I don't want to do the, like, I have enough bullshit. I don't need the investment of like another console, especially with the games that are all getting expensive. And that, that's been a big one with Corona inflation for prices, so... Yeah, I, I think I need another real console to collect for. Give me a mini, give me the best hits, and I think that would actually sell. I would buy a Dreamcast Mini in a heartbeat. Yeah, same here. Mine only plays like half the games at this point because the the battery, the uh, laser's like, all right, I'll give you more Marvel vs. Capcom 1, but I won't give you 2. Really? That bad, eh? Yeah, it's getting there. I could probably replace it, but eh, I'm also lazy. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you there. Next up, from Game Whisperer Dean, what is your favorite gaming Easter egg? Hmm, that's a good one. Let me think. Let me think. Um, I liked Star Wars Kid in uh, I think it was American Skate. Uh, what was it? Uh, it was one of the Tony Hawks that you go into like a building, and then there's like a Star Wars. You don't remember this? No. There's a Star Wars Kid. Remember Star Wars Kid, right? Oh it was yeah. Some Canadian kid. Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, uh, back in like the late '90s, early 2000s, there's a video that made the rounds. It became viral before we had a word for that. Mm -hmm. It was a kid playing with a golf like ball catcher or whatever. It's like some kind of like stick thing. Maybe a it was broom. In yeah. It, I think I remember reading the stories. It was some kind of like ball catcher for like some kind of uh, lacrosse thing. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's like a stick. Yeah. And he was using the camera from the AV department to film himself in a little corner wherever that was, pretending he's like lightsaber fighting. Right. And obviously, it doesn't look very good. And friends found it and shared it to like on whatever was being used back then to share things like I think LimeWire, Kazar, or whatever. And uh, it became big in a time when this was much harder to do because it's you know it didn't have a YouTube, it didn't have Twitter, right? And the kid was bullied for years because of that. He became a, a lawyer, and then he most of his cases, like his firm works on, are you know re involved with uh, like online harassment and bullying. So in one of the Tony Hawk games, and I'm sure that somebody's watching this or listening to this, and it's driving them insane that I don't know the name, and they're yelling impotently into their like phone or whatever. Uh, I want to say it's American Skateland or whichever it was. Anyway, there, there's there's a, there's an Easter egg where you go into a window into a building and then there's a kid playing with the thing and it's supposed to be Star Wars Kid. 
Oh, nice. Okay, now definitely have to look so that, that up. One, that one comes. I gotta look it up because yeah, I, I I need to know the name of the game. Ah oh, man, it's gonna bother me that I don't know the name of the game. But anyway, that's that's one of the, my favorite ones. Yeah, that's the what down, about you? That's a downside of being an N sixty four kid because we had Tony Hawk, but it just wasn't as good. Yeah, I know. It's, it's still pretty good. Tony Hawk is like pizza, even when it's not great. It's, it's still pretty it's good. Still pretty good. Yeah, you got a point there. But I think I mean, I'll go with the classic. I'll put the uh, the dev actually putting his name into that one screen of adventure. Just as the oh, fucking I was going to go with that. I almost was going to go with that, but I thought it was too obvious. So I went with the... Oh, the mine was definitely too obvious. But no, I like yours way better. Because that's the first one that comes to mind. That's like the first one. Especially because it's just a big fuck you. Like, it's not like funny or anything like that. Yeah. It's like, for the love of God, give me credit. Yeah, is this his name? I don't remember. Do you know? No, I don't remember. Okay, I'd have to, I have to, to look it up. All right, well, that doesn't matter. But yeah, so that's mine. Very basic bitch answer there, but good one. Next up from Gamer Astral, favorite fighting game ever. Oh, dude, uh, this is this might be the source of some controversy because I'm a, I'm fully aware of the problems with this game, but it's the game that I grew up with. It's the one video game that I feel confident to basically challenge anybody. And in the times that I did, I felt like a video game god. Because a little secret about me that isn't a secret to people who follow me closely. Not very good at video games. I love them. Grew up on them. Not very good. But Mortal Kombat 3, if I pick Sub-Zero, I'm, bring, like, I'm taking you fucking down, dude. Like, when I, back before, before, in the before times, when you could have friends over and have fun. Right. Right? Uh, I'd ha- I have a, a modded uh, SNES, SNES Mini with uh, Mortal Kombat 3, obviously. And uh, I'd challenge, I'd take challengers, right? So it'd be like a rotation. Like, say there's like ten people at my party. I'd be like, I'd be holding the controller player one, and then those ten people would cycle through the player two controller, and I'd be every <laughs> fucking single. And it's the one game I take a lot of pride in, because it's the one, the single video game that I'm actually good at. Mm-hmm. And I'm just fucking relentlessly beating them, and like fucking five hit combo followed by a freeze them again, then fatality. Uh, so yeah, I'm Mortal Kombat three. I know there's a lot of flaws with the, the game design in that game, but that's that's the one. That's yeah, the one for me. But it's still fun as shit too. Oh hell's yeah, dude! So is it just straight up the SNES version with that, or do you pick up like Ultimate or Trilogy and you can still whoop people? I I can still whoop people. Yeah, the controls for uh, for Sub Zero's uh, combos and fatal and everything it's all the same for in Ultimate Mortal Kombat three. So, but I go with three because that's that's the first one that like I really oh my god I'm actually good at one video game. This is amazing. Yeah. So did you get to the point where everyone stopped playing it with you because you just oh kept absolutely uh huh absolutely absolutely it doesn't it, it doesn't even take that long. It's that's why I usually do this when there's a big party when there was big parties because if party? I'm doing if I'm doing this yeah what is that I, I don't know I don't remember I hear stories <laughs> if. If I do this on a 101, I can do maybe two matches, and they realize, oh, does that's oh, so you're really good at that, and you're just trying to humiliate me. Never mind, put the controller down and go back to doing whatever. Yep. Now that's me with Mario Kart 64. Everyone's like, huh. oh, I love this game as a kid. Let's play it. I'm like, eh, all right, let's do this. Nice. And then I don't make it fun for him, and then it goes away after like two races. So yeah, yeah that's uh, I know that experience very well. But it's the only pride I have left. Yeah, it's the same way. The same way. If there's one video game that you're good at, especially if it's a competitive video game, mm-hmm. you want you want those up. Oper- Dude, I, I I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that. Like, there's been parties at my house, and I'm like, fuck. There's some uh-huh. new people in the group. I'm gonna fucking destroy this guy in front of his date. It's gonna be beautiful. <laughs> I'd be lying to you if I said I never thought that. Oh, of course. That's the best part of it. But my what answer for best fighting game is gonna be Super Street Fighter Two. That's the first one I had. That's the one I played the goddamn most. Mostly the Genesis version, just because I like the six-button controller more, but give me any version of that, and 
I'm pretty good. Like, I'm not... But if, for, if it's going to be a fighting game that I'm going to have a chance at, like, that'll be my, like, DSP moment. Give me Super Street Fighter 2 on the Genesis, and I might have a shot. Nice. Nice. I thought you were going to say Soul Calibur. That S in the beginning of... I'm like, because that would have been... Uh, 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 an obvious answer, I think. Soul Calibur is like a very celebrated fighting game, right? So, oh, yeah. And it's still, like, even the first Dreamcast one still holds up when you look at it. Too. And I was just going to say, a Dreamcast title going back to the Dreamcast here. But no, that's a good one. Next up, from G to the next level. If you could have any five arcade games in your dream arcade room, what would they be? Oh, okay. So, uh, okay. So, Burger Time for sure. Uh-huh. I'm a huge fan of Burger Time. I played, obviously, the DOS version more than the arcade because I don't think we had many uh, Burger Time arcades in Brazil. I never came across one. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think here. Uh, the original Mario Brothers. Oh. The one that, that you can play on, like, Mario Brothers 3. Yeah. With the pipes and everything. I love that one. Um, let's see what else. The, whichever, like, there's a Bomberman was originally an arcade series, and it was called something else. I forget, Bomb City or something like that. Really? That one for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never knew that. that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bomberman was originally a, uh, an arcade game, and I, I forget what it was called. I want to say Bomb City, but don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. I was surprised when I found that out. It was relatively recently. I was at some convention, again, back in the before times. Right. And there they had a bunch of arcades, and it was a game, I was like... This looks very much like like the, the the layout is the same and the power ups are similar and the characters are obviously it's like was this Bomberman before it came out on the, like the Super Nintendo because the graphics skew more towards like pre SNES you okay. know yeah so I'm like oh so it was a it was an arcade game okay cool uh, and I'm missing one let me think let me think I said Space Invaders already um Asteroids I think no not Asteroids sorry uh, Missile Command oh I played a my man. lot of that and and. It cameos in one of the best action movies of all time, Terminator 2. Yes, it does. Right? Right in that beginning in that oh, in the Galleria. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, and it's funny how it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a like foreshadowing moment because he's like defending the cities from attacks and he's going to be a big military leader defending mankind from the attack of the machine. So like they're setting up like, "Oh, look, he was already kind of good at this kind of stuff." Hey, speaking of franchises with two good movies, don't get me started dude oh my god i'm a massive t2 fan and terminator 3 rise of the machines was the first time that i was like fully like that i think that movie is like when i came of age when childhood ended yeah because i was like movies can be bad Uh uh-huh like terminator can be bad a terminator movie can be bad like what the the movie starts out self-parodying right like with the, mm-hmm. the sun like the sunglasses the little at that moment i'm like okay you lost me right here you lost me yeah and not in the, the yeah they were, you're right what was that <laughs> i said you're okay no no i just said what the fuck like oh, i remember yeah. i still remember to, uh, that movie came out what 2000 or 2001 yeah and i remember being like what did you do to terminate like what the fuck Dude, it's there, not supposed to be funny there's not enough crane trucks in the world to make that movie good no and it's a repeat of the second, like, like every Terminator movie after the second one, it's just Terminator 2 with a fresh coat of paint. Yeah, like Terminator, like it's awesome to think about the 90s where a movie like Terminator 2 or Robocop, like you had toys of it as a kid. Like I was six. Yes! When, I was five when it came out and I had all the Terminator Dude, 2 toys. Fucking Rambo had a cartoon. Yes, yes, yes it did. What? With some of the best looking toys ever where the head is clearly just like slapped onto some other like dollar store brand toy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was very that was very common back then. Like they they have like a some the, the licensing companies like hey we have a bunch of like He-Man toys. I'm sure if we draw like Sharpie a beard on like this guy could be like something else. Like let's fucking make Rambo toys or whatever. Right, exactly. Ah, it was a better time. Oh now, man, times were simpler back then. Yeah, every once in a while I'll go through the toy section and I'll be like looking at action figures and I'll be like, you want fifteen bucks for this? 
It's like no articulation, no toys, nothing launching out of it. No action, yeah. no death, no blood. Oh, these poor oh, bastards. Man. But going back to the topic, five arcade yes. games. All right, so I think Tapper has to be one for the gimmick. Uh, Smash TV, definitely one. Uh, hmm, you took Missile Command from me, so... Yes, I did. All right, I'll, I'll keep it simple. I'll go Galaga for the classic Galaga? there. Yeah. Uh, X-Men for when, you know, if there's Which ever... X-Men? There's another X-Men arcade game? Besides uh, the Cody Cab one? Uh, you're thinking of, um, oh shit, I forget the, um, I'm thinking of like the Konami one that everyone goes to no, with like the six yeah, no, player the, cab. The, the, yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I have a feeling there was one before that, but it might be the only one. At least it's definitely the more, the more famous one. Yeah, that's the one everyone talks about. And back to T2, T2 the arcade game. Oh, fuck yeah. The one with the, with the gun. Yep. Yes. Oh my God. I remember when I saw that. I had no idea that was a thing. I was at I was like staying the night at a buddy's house or whatever, and we went to the like his mother wanted to go to the mall to buy food or whatever. Yeah. And we walked by like the little galleria, and I saw that art, like the, the cabinet. I never seen it before or after. That was the only time in my life I saw that cabinet, and it's the scene where like it's like the future war and like the Terminators uh-huh. are popping up and is shooting them, and I'm like, what? They made a game? Like what? The-? And I didn't HKs are flying at your face. Yes, the HKs flying. Yes, mm-hmm. it was beautiful. I'm surprised. Considering we both had some some basic bitch answers, nobody went for the basic bitch, the obvious answers here. So what you thinking? Simpsons, Space Invaders, Simpsons, Space Invaders, uh, Pac Man, Pac Man, like Donkey Kong, ob- Donkey Kong. Yep, right. Beautiful, amazing game. Although I played the obviously it's always here. I played the Game Boy version. It's my it's my definitive uh, Donkey Kong experience. I think ninety four uh, yeah, might just be the best one out of all the many. Anyway. It is the it is the fact that it has a plot twist. Basically, for those who don't know, uh, Donkey, this is not the one I have Tetris here because you can't go wrong with fucking Tetris. Right, Donkey Kong ninety four. Right, is the Game Boy version. Like the collectors and gamers usually say ninety four to ref- to like make to differentiate between the other versions. It starts out with the four levels that you'd see in the arcade, and they, ah, oh, what a be- oh, beautiful, beautiful, absolutely uh-huh. beautiful. Happy that is one of my favorite, hands down. I have two copies of those. Um, nice. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I got one, and then I got one as a gift uh, from somebody who didn't know I already had it. Uh, but I, I cherish both of them. I can put them on different Game Boys and like play them at the same time if I want. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, so that game, it, can, it starts out with the four levels from the arcade version. And then once you beat that, the game like expands into, like it, there's like some like 90 levels or something. And becomes, it's crazy. Like, like a puzzle with like different worlds and there's like different mechanics that the games the game introduces for a for a Game Boy game it's it's impressive what they do with that game like it's one of my favorite games of all time I think oh yeah it's massive it's like perfect and what we just learned is is he has a bathroom copy of Donkey Kong ready at all times yeah man <laughs> one for like leaving the house and one for you know exactly for me time last up from Alex Perez what were your favorite cartoons to watch when you were kids oh okay okay so Mine, I'm not sure. Like, oh, we most of Latin America, most of the world, really. We, when it comes to cartoons, we mm-hmm. didn't make our own stuff. Like, we watch a lot of like your stuff, like American shows, right? Right. But this, some of these that I that I'm thinking here, I don't think they were as popular in North America as they were in South America, right? So correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the impression I've always had. Okay. Did you guys watch Pole Position? Pole Position. I never yeah. heard of See, that. See, I always I never heard I, of that. Exactly. So I guess my theory was right. Pole position. My 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 theory is it's a game about car. Like it's so it's so eighties. It's a it's a it's a, a group of siblings. I'm I'm pretty sure there were siblings. It's like a guy and a girl, and they drove these cars that had like these supercomputers. Like, so the cars had like personalities, and it was very like speed racer like. Okay. In that they press buttons and like the car would like 
how, like the, the 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 wheels would go like all DeLorean, they they'd hover, or like skis would pop out and they like could like ride on the water, and wings would come out and they would fly. It's called pole position. The I never heard this. Dude, look it up. Like the intro to this 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 show on on YouTube, it has like the best '80s like pop synth. Like it's it's an amazing. If you're like a nerd into like tech and and robots and artificial intelligence, all that nerdy shit that I was huge into as a kid, and now right. that show was like second to none. It was a it was short lived. I think it only had two seasons. Uh. A lot of cartoons were short lived back then, right? Mm-hmm. But whenever I talk to an American or even a Canadian about pole position, I get the exact same deer in headlight. Uh, you get look, what I get from you. And Brazilians all fucking love that show. So I guess I was right. It, it wasn't very popular in North America. Pole position. Look up the intro to that show on YouTube. You'll see it's like clearly designed to like nerdy kids who are into tech, into robots, into cars that turn into other things. That was a big thing in the 80s, right? Oh, yeah. So what do you call it? Actually, funny you bring that up. So I hear from a lot of like friends I've talked to who like lived in Mexico and Latin America. Was Brazil big into getting like all those like random anime like bad dubs put in down there? And that was like your Saturday morning cartoons? Or like early morning uh, on like like basic like network TV. Anime was huge back in in Brazil at a time when anime wasn't that big yet. Like so, like one cartoon that comes to mind that a lot of people loved. I didn't grow up on it because uh, the Brazilian translation of the show made reference to astrology, and because my family was hardcore religious, oh. I'm talking about Saint Seiya. Oh. So Saint Seiya, it's Saint Seiya in in North America, but in Brazil. Apparently, the name is a closer translation to the original Japanese, which is Knights of the Zodiac. Oh. So, Uh-oh. because it's like 12 fighters, and they all, like, they're, they, they represent, each represents, a, a, like, a, a, like a, a sign, like an astrological sign. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's, anyway, uh, because of the Zodiac in the name, it made it very clear to religious mothers everywhere, like it's my case with mine, that it's a show about... It has something to do with astrology. So that was, like, obviously we couldn't watch it in Nobre household. It's funny to think back to those days because my parents were religious, too. And, like, I'd watch Beavis and Butthead, and I'd come downstairs and say, sucked, and I would get all holy hell thrown at me. It's oh, like, you can't say this terrible word and shit like that. I'm like, all I said was sucked. But, like, dude. back then. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Dude, Simpsons was too spicy for my family at the time. Like, uh, oh, absolutely, dude. Really? It's hard, to, it's hard to remember now, but even in the States. I mean, uh, oh, it was Reagan, controversial. infamously. Yeah. yeah. But in Brazil, it was, like, straight up, like, you can't watch. Like, that's offensive. Like, because they were so, they subverted, like, a lot of, like, you know, traditional North American slash, you know, conservative Protestant values, right? Right. Like, Homer, Homer didn't like going to church. Like what the like what is this teaching my kid like you know what I mean Yep and and Bart was like a problem kid so like it, it was very offensive to especially religious families so but I, Simpsons I liked it so much that I like you know watch it when my parents were weren't looking and stuff mm-hmm. but Knights of the Zodiac even to me that sounded sinful so I didn't I didn't I didn't watch it Ah gotcha Yeah I guess for favorite shows for me like Simpsons. Weirdly enough, for as much as my family was like, oh, we got to go to church, don't say suck, they love The Simpsons, and that was like a family event where we gathered around the TV. Really? Dude, they have boxes at their garage still of us videotaping every single episode as they came out weekly. Nah, remember doing that? Oh, man. Oh, dude, yeah. Their VHS collection is worse than my video game collection ever was. It basically really? takes up, it could take up a whole freaking room. 
Let me tell you this, because this is something I know wasn't very popular in the States. Um, it's called Tokusatsus, I think, and it's basically live-action Japanese shows about teens that turn into some kind of superheroes. And obviously, you're familiar with the most obvious one. Right. Because Power it's Rangers. the one that was big. Yep. Exactly. But there were a, there was a bunch of shows that followed that exact same formula, basically, right? And one that I watched a lot as a kid, again, because it has to do with robots and technology, it was one called Cybercop. Okay. And it was basically like these cops, like some special unit in Japan, and they have like, you know, morphing technology and they be they become like armored, like, you know, kind of like the Power Rangers, but like right. they were they were like a legit like police force, right? Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about that show, and remember, you're watching this as a kid, you can't tell like this is like this is a show. Like you think that in Japan, like this is how it is. Right. So like in the show, and because the show was all these shows for kids, they were basically put together as a ways to sell like toys, right? Mm -hmm. So we had like the the, the, the the cops and then they turn into like these armored like, you know, and each of them had like a different color and different abilities, obviously because, you know, the toys have to be different and they have to sell all of them kind of thing. And they also had like attachments like guns, right? And the way they get the guns, the show always follows the same progression. They, they face like a criminal or some like uh, supernatural entity. They morph into the, the robot suit. They get their asses kicked and they get the guns and then they finally like combine all the guns and defeat the guy. Like you, Power Rangers, you're very familiar. Same thing. They would oh, yeah. fight as like just teenagers. They morph. They still can handle it. The uh, Rita Repulsa makes the the, the 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 thing like you know into like a building basically. Big. The toy comes and out, then, kills him. And them. then you get and then you get the Megazord and everything. It was like it followed the exact same beats, right? Cybercop was the same way, but it was about guns. So and the thing is, they would like they would be pushed up against the wall and they're fighting, they're losing. And then they okay, let's get the gun. So they would approach like they get a tree branch and like move it, and there's like a little pin pad, and they type it up, and that's really? it. There's a, a shot of like the, the the case with the gun traveling some underground tunnel network, and it'll come out right next to them out of like a like oh, a manhole shit. or something, or they would go to like a trash thing, they push it aside. There's a little pin pad. So as a kid, I'm like, man, in Japan, they have that shit all over the place, right? Because they need it everywhere. Right. So like everywhere you go in Japan, I'm, I'd be moving things to find the pin pad. And then one time I was playing like in the building where I lived and then some kid, I was grounded. So I'm like up on the, like, in, I'm watching the, I'm grounded. So I'm watching the kids right. play down in like the parking lot from my, my, uh, uh, my, uh, my uh, bedroom window. And the kid is like opening like the gas thing like the you know like in a car like, he's open he found he's it. like he found it yo the pin pad from cybercom like oh i want to go down there oh shit <laughs> it's like uh, wow that's fucking amazing you know what it look is look at this <laughs> damn dude it sucks that america was so like wow japan's fucking weird we're not bringing this shit over because a show about a cartoon about uh, guns would have been gangbusters around here right oh my god man God, what a missed oh, opportunity. That, that sounds awesome as shit. Man, motherfucker. We oh, like... that show is good. I'll, I'll send you some links after so you can see like the intro and what it was about. So you, yeah. So like you can you can get the image. And that show was also forbidden in Nobri household because one of the antagonists turned ally, his name was Lucifer. Uh-oh. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know, right? So yeah, so that was definitely a no-no. So whenever there was a, like I could watch it, but I'd be sitting next to the TV with my hand on the volume knob because if it's an episode where Lucifer's in, I can't let my mom hear that shit. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to watch Cybercop again. It was one of my favorites. So I'd be like, okay, Lucifer is coming up the next scene. I'm sure. Like, turn it mm -hmm. down. <laughs> Smart. Yeah, you're just like, how's your show, honey? Oh, it was an old one. You just kept saying that yeah. for like five years. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. If my mom ever caught me watching a show where a character's named Lucifer, oh, buddy, I would never have heard of the end of it. Ah, oh, dude. So before we get going, I forgot to do my earlier bit here. So I am drinking the Crit... 
Creekfest beer, the lager, traditional Marzen style, 5.2% alcohol by volume. Comes to us from the Neshaminy Creek Brewing Company. Very local. And yeah, if you guys ever get a chance to hit up some Neshaminy Creek, if you're in the Philly area or the East Coast, definitely hit this one up. I don't have a lot of Marzen experience, so I can't tell you if it's better or worse than any of the normal ones that are out there. But from what I can tell, this is a damn tasty little beer right here. So if you see it, hit it up for sure. I like the art in the can. Oh, dude, that's one thing. The Shandy Creek, dude, they go fucking, like, they have all, like, it's like a jazz band of hops and shit like that. Maybe it's almost like an October, it's probably an Oktoberfest beer. Yeah, It it looks like it with the the shoes and the the pants, yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't even notice the lederhosen. So, yeah, Yeah. nice little Oktoberfest beer, definitely seasonal, but if you can get your hands, the Shandy Creek doesn't really go wrong. So, they're kind of like one of those ones, like, Victory around here, where if you get any of their beer, it's going to be good. Right on. All right, so... Moving on into the next topic. So one of my favorite things that you do is, I don't know why I enjoy it more when you do it than a lot of people do it, but you're not afraid to call Nintendo out for their bullshit a lot of the time. It's funny because I get a lot of hate for that. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Oh, buddy. I Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge Nintendo fan, but I'm not, like, I'm not going to shy away from, from, from saying, from calling out some of their, their practices that are very, I find, anti-consumer, right? Or straight up make no sense right so and and some people appreciate that mm-hmm. but uh, some people get very angry like a certain video you just dropped today on the 29th about the joy cons and how you hate the design yes i uh for those who don't know i made a video and it's it basically a video about how i don't like how the the joy cons are the the analog sticks are offset and a lot of people didn't i guess they started commenting before they watched the, re- the end of the video mm-hmm. the rest of the video because they're like oh but the xbox did that first why are you not criticizing microsoft and i explained in the video that's because it's not a problem on a regular controller where you have grips where your hands can comfortably hold the controller i only find that a problem in a portable because if the analog the right analog is so low on the on the console that it forces you to hold the console at a with a weird position like you have to hold it almost with your fingertips that side of the 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 of the controller if you're playing a game that requires you to access the right analog console like a shooter or a third person action platformer kind of thing right right if you're playing a lot of 2D side scrollers, you're not going to use this, the, the right analog at all. So a lot to a lot of people, like I don't have that problem because that's mostly what I play, like you know these side scroller 2D indies. And in fact, if that's the games that you play on your Switch, you're not going to have that problem. Mm-hmm. But if you play a lot of third-person shooters, first-person shooters, like it's my case, uh, you would probably be like there's there's companies that make they make uh, uh, like grips for it, mm-hmm. like they're like offset. So like on the right on the left hand side there's nothing. On the right hand side there's like basically a grip that comes out of the console, so that your hand can wrap around that and then. And your finger can more naturally rest on top of the analog stick. So if you're playing, like I've been playing a lot of Saints Row, um, I think it's the fourth one. It's reelected. It's the fourth one. Okay. Um, and uh, as as any kind of GTA clone, you're going to be moving the camera a lot, right? Like you're going to be using that button a lot. Yeah. Uh, that, that that stick a lot. So it's it's uncomfortable. And then the problem is not so much the switch because there's a reason for that to be like that, so that the Joy Cons can be detached. And then when you hold it sideways, both analogs are in the same position, so that each can be used as its own independent controller. So it's it's an interesting design decision that makes sense, but then they put out something like the Switch Lite, which you can't detach, and now the analog is on at an awkward, unnatural position for real, no reason, right? Just to keep with the brand, if you want. And then companies that make these small portable consoles also do it like that again for no reason, right? So that upsets me because there's a lot of portable consoles that I own 
for emulation and things like that, mm -hmm. that if I'm playing like a PS1 game where I'm controlling the camera with that analog stick, which are many games, but there are some, or, you know, ports that were made for the, like 3D games that were ported for that console, it's very awkward to hold and use the analog stick at the same time. And the only reason they are like that now, because they weren't like that before the Switch, it's because of the Switch, right? So that upsets yep. me that they, this trend that is already like I mentioned in the video, I don't use the detachable Joy-Con feature as much as I think Nintendo wanted me to use, and I'm not sure if I'm an outlier or if this is like the actual case. I suppose we're going to touch on that later on in some of the topics here that we're talking oh, about. Oh yeah, because that's, speaking of Nintendo and their trends, so one thing they did, they started it off with Super Mario 3D All-Stars, and they're doing it right now with a 30th anniversary re-release of the original, what is it, Fire Emblem? I think it's Fire Emblem. God damn it. Let me look it up here. I have, I have it open, but I closed it and I can't remember now. I can't click on this for something. There we go. It is Fire Emblem, yes. Yes. So they finally patched and translated the original Fire Emblem, have it coming out. But, just like with 3D All-Stars, it's getting a limited digital release. Not just physical, really? but, yeah, apparently in the fine, fine, fine print at the bottom, it's saying that it will be available only yep. for a limited right time. There. Somebody said Nintendo Vault strikes again. Yeah, so so they're making, to make this clear, yeah, it's right there in the fine print. He highlighted it. Mm -hmm. Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light in the Fire Emblem 30th Anniversary Edition will only be available for a limited time. Being that it's a digital copy, there's no reason whatsoever to, how, how you could justify this. Right, like, it, like, I remember when, like, people complained about Pikmin 3 being pulled from the Wii U eShop when they announced the new one. And I was like, well, who the hell is downloading the Wii U Pikmin 3 at this point anyway, like, seven years later? But this is a game that people like. This is a series you throw down our throats with fucking Smash Brothers. Like, and it's the thing, and our buddy G talks about all the time, is people, like, they don't call Nintendo out on it, they just go, well, I guess I better get it now. And it's like, it's That's gonna set mindset, a bad precedent, like man. Unfortunately, like I'm a Nintendo fan myself, so I'm not trash talking anybody. But there is a subset of Nintendo fans uh -huh. who basically believe that the company—they're so I guess thankful for all the great experiences that Nintendo has provided them over the years—that they believe that a company can do no wrong. And if you hang around in areas like, say, the Nintendo Switch subreddit, which I love it, but the, they are quick to justify basically any decision made by Nintendo. And it's sometimes, it, it can leave you scratching your head because I'm like, why would you defend something that, like, okay, I'll give an example, right? So um, if you own two Switches, this is the reason I don't anymore. I was going to bring this up. Yeah. I remember, I know so, where this is going. Yeah, so if you, I, I bought, I, I love portability, right? So I have a regular Nintendo Switch and I bought a Switch Lite because I figured this is the one that I'm going to take out with me and the Switch can be just a docked uh, console permanently. So, it would have been a great idea if it weren't for the fact that you have to manually manage your cloud saves as opposed to with every other system, it's basically automatic, right? Like you, you have a save and then at, at worst, it'll give you a warning to say that the save you have right now conflicts, the date conflicts with another one that they have saved. So to let you know that you might be loading the wrong one, but mo like Steam for sure, it's just automatic. Like you don't have to manually manage the save states for your library because that'd be insane, right? Unfortunately, and I'm not sure if this has changed since, and being that it's Nintendo, I would be willing to bet money that they haven't. You have to, if you're going back and forth between two systems, you have to manually go into the settings, choose for each individual game, and then download the save for that. And I mean, this is so janky. Like, it's not a hard thing to implement when the system is online. Just compare the two versions and keep whichever is the most current one because that's what every other system that has cloud saves does. But to my the, any that I have ever used, I can't speak to all of them, obviously. Right. But the ones that I've used, 
I, this is the first time in my life where I have to manually manage save states. Like I'm going from one computer with a copy of like a, an SNS simulator and I have to drag the, the file, the save file manually to another one. And that's not an experience I want to have in 2020. Mm-hmm. Now, where did you get the bigger shitstorm for this? On Twitter? Because I remember you had a big blow up there. Or I'm going to assume it's on Reddit because it's Reddit. It was on Reddit. It was on Reddit. Uh, people were like, <laughs> wow. They were like, ah, oh, that's such a like an odd, like such an out there use case. And how many games are you pay- playing simultaneously that you have that's such a hassle to transfer the saves? And like, dude, even if it's just the one game, it's 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 ha- it's a hassle that is not in line with the experience that we've come accustomed to when it comes to these cloud uh, storage solutions for your save states, right? Like that's that's not something you have to do on say Steam. Steam doesn't right. require. Like if I go from my computer to my laptop, I don't have to. Oh wait a second, where's my thumb drive? Let me copy the save file here and then go here. Like you don't do that. I have to go. Oh right click. Let me make sure that I have the current save. Like no, the system handles that in a very smart way, a very seamless way because it knows that you know the last game that you have is the one that you. This is your current run and it matches that to all the other systems, right? So. I I found it I found it a deal breaker. Like I was already not happy with a lot of things, like the fact that, and I understand this because of digital rights management. If you have two systems, two switches, one is your dedicated one that you can play any game while you're offline, right. and your secondary one has to touch base with their 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 their, uh, their servers to make sure that you are allowed to run this copy. And I understand why they do this to an extent so that you don't sell a system with a bunch of games that you paid for once and then you're downloading on every subsequent Switch and then selling that. Although, who would do that? Why would you sell a Switch secondhand and keep your your, your credentials logged into the each Like, I don't, I don't think somebody... Like, this would mostly be used to, like, share games within like a household i think at the most realistically right and so nes the, online or switch online which i know you're a huge fan of wink wink right uh i mean right. yeah you can buy the the family plan but do you have can you share it between them because i mean we just have we're one switch household so if my wife ever games it's just mario party and that's it but i'm actually curious if you have any idea of like if you have multiple people on the same one can you access save states or is it all that, tied to like your profile because, that I don't know because I live by myself. I, I just have the one switch, so I haven't had the opportunity or the hassle to have to deal with that. But again, knowing Nintendo, I would imagine whichever is the least convenient way for the consumer when it comes to online solutions, I would imagine that that's... Okay, so you have to type up basically your social security number to add people to your friends list. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Let's do that. And I get the rationale behind this, like protecting kids from online interactions. I get it and I support it. It doesn't change the fact that as a fucking 36-year-old, it's a, okay, let me pull out the, there's people, I swear to God, there's people that I haven't added to my system, because mm-hmm. like, say, if, if, like, say we're talking on Twitter, and you're like, yo, add me on Steam, I'll just say, yeah, sure, add Izzy Nobre, boom, solved, you go and you add it. Right. If I'm not home, and somebody asks me what's my friend code, I don't fucking know, I don't have that written a piece of paper, I have to wait till I get home to see it, by which time, I forgot you asked, so... Yep. There's a lot of people that have been hitting me up for a while. Hey, add me to your friends list. Let, let's play some games. But it just it never aligns to a time when it's convenient for me to dig that thing out and like send them the fucking you know twelve digit number or whatever. I mean, I love that their friend code systems basically hasn't changed since like the Wii, the original Wii. Where it's like, oh, oh just, here's just DS, random dude. string of bullshit, and here you go. Good luck finding me. I think it started on the DS, did it not? I think so. older, I think right? the, the Wii you had to have a code just to play together, but they never had a friends list. I think you're right with the DS. Yeah, no, DS, DS came out in Japan in 2004, and the Wii, if I'm not mistaken, was 2006. Something Don't quote like me on that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like, I, I think the French code, the French code was was born 
uh, on the DS. I'm pretty sure. It's so nice that 15 years later that they've totally evolved with the I, times. That's the and that's the thing. Like, there's gotta be more efficient ways to protect kids from you know from 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 predatory online interactions than like this string of 12 digits that you have to like anyway. It's intent like, and that's why and that reaction right there is why a lot of fans are just complacent. Like when I say it's Nintendo, whatever, like they take that to, they take that one step further and not only are they okay with, with, the, with that expectation because that's what you expect out of Nintendo, right. they go one step further and actually defend it. And yeah. So actually going with Nintendo defense so, and you being a professional YouTuber, did you, during the dark ages of the mid 2010s, did you just go, all right, no Nintendo gameplay content or anything on my page? So you didn't have to deal uh, with that bullshit, or so because I I'd never been much for like doing gameplays, uh -huh. right? Um, that wasn't a huge concern. Whenever I I showcased Nintendo content, it was typically stuff that was so old that you know the 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 content ID police wasn't really looking for that. Mm -hmm. So like when you're talking about emulation and old like SNES games and things like that, that's not really what they're, they're you know they're for now, right? Because it could it could always change, right? But so that wasn't a concern of mine. Like a lot of people were not covering a lot of Nintendo stuff because of that, uh, because they were cracking down so hard. Nintendo has been historically very protective of their intellectual property, and it's their right to, of course. Right. Um, but it, it, it has put them at odds with the creating community, right? When like you want to talk about their video games, which anybody would argue helps the Nintendo brand more than anything else. But their their mindset is just like they're very conservative in that sense that they're like, no, it's our content, it's it's our intellectual property. You can't use it period and um i understand some things that they do more than others like cracking down on emulation sites as an emulation enthusiast obviously i have problems with that but it's it's far easier to justify than saying hey you got a license for that nintendo gameplay you got in your <laughs> oh i mate <laughs> well you know? i mean According to some people out there, we should buy licenses to be able to show that, games Now, that's a good online. segue right there. That's a great segue right there. Because, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows about it by now. And actually, you made a great response video on it. Yeah. But our dear, dear friend. Alex Hutchinson. Alex Hutchinson. That's the name. I somewhat name. of a, yeah, it's burning your brain now. Somewhat oh, of a Stadia creative director. Oh, there's some qualifiers with that. A, f a few. A few. He happened to say that gamers... We're just making all the profit off of these games we, that we don't pay for, obviously, because no one pays for games that yeah. they play. It was weird how he phrased that. It almost made it sound like he's talking about pirate, like piracy, but it wasn't. He's talking about not paying for a license to stream games. Yeah, it's, it's actually funny because, like, kids these days, like, kids don't fucking torrent anymore. Like, they all have streaming services. It's just easier to just pay, like, yeah. five bucks off your parents' credit card and yeah. you have their service. Like, yeah. they don't do it. We're, like, the only generation of, like, true internet pirates out there that are, like, left. Yeah. So, like... It's definitely not a widespread thing as it was, like, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. So, as everyone's heard by now, he came out basically had this long rant, and he doubled, tripled, quadrupled down about how streamers are abusing the system and using other people's copyright, and they should pay a license to the people to be able to play the game so that they can have their careers. No, it was actually worse than that when you think about it, because they actually, not only did he say that, but he tried to make it sound like gamers are actually hypocritical, because you're so concerned about getting DMCA'd, because you right. like, had music or whatever, but you 
are the real, you know, like you, you shouldn't be complaining about that because you are the ones who've been taking money out of, out of our pockets all these years, streaming the games that we made that you didn't pay us any royalties to do. He, he had a couple of tweets about that. Mm-hmm. And then obviously he got dunked on furiously, mercilessly. And then he, as you said, doubled down and said, oh, people are upset just because I said a little thing that developers deserve the money for their creation. Yeah, of course they deserve the money for their creation. Not to, in perpetuity. Every time you share that game on a stream with somebody, that's ridiculous. Right. I mean, as we all know, no game's ever gotten famous off streaming. So, right? obviously, like, it's no, the streamers abusing the system. No developers ever benefited from thousands of, of streamers putting their game up, basically doing free publicity 24-7 of their games. Like, there's so many games that are only huge, and not even recently. Like, Fortnite, one could argue, became huge off of Twitch, right? Like, yeah. more recently, you have things like Among Us and Fall Guys and... Among Us was out for three years before anyone cared about it, thanks to Corona lockdown. Just because of Corona combined with people streaming it on Twitch, and it became this worldwide sensation. Dude, we have presidential candidates playing this like back in back in Brazil recently. There's like there's this series of like people like gamers playing games or like people who are involved in politics. Yeah. And they bring out like big names, people who actually ran for president. And like playing the, the game and like introducing them to like it, it became a massive phenomenon, not just in North America, but all over the place because of streaming. Well, fucking the AOC Among Us stream was yeah. like the third most streamed or viewed stream in like the history of Twitch. Yeah. A senator so, or representative, whatever she is. I think she's a representative. Uh, I think you're right, yeah. So for them, she's too young to be a senator, I think, right? Was that? Senators are usually, she's too young to be a senator, right? She probably is, yeah. She's, she's too, too new, too. Young. She's probably a representative. Yeah, she's too new, exactly. Uh, so for for this guy who uh, you, you would expect the guy who has a long history because he worked with EA and with uh, Ubisoft right so he's not a newcomer to the to the industry he's worked on for big titles guy, big titles like Far Cry uh, Four Assassin's Creed Three he worked on Spore so this is not a guy who's new to the industry and certainly he must understand or I guess he refused to understand he refused right. to understand that streaming m- made certain games massive so to be as greedy as to say no you gotta pay us for the privilege to advertise our game in your in your platforms in your you know in your to your community it's in it's insane so insane in fact and i see you put in the notes there that google themselves put out a statement to say his thoughts like his 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 impressions his opinions do not reflect that of those of google or youtube or status so he's completely alone in this like we have nothing to do with this and then curiously somebody some some internet sleuths noticed that he had changed his bio which previously said creative director at google stadia to just say creative director at sgne which is a subdivision of stadia that's responsible for developing exclusive games for the, the the service right right so i imagine that he got a stern talking to because Stadia, as I mentioned in my in my in my video, streaming services like that, like and, and the, I guess we have to differentiate because there's streaming services as in like Twitch, right. and there's streaming services like cloud gaming, like mm-hmm. the, the, your computer is not actually running the game, right? So those services they face an uphill battle because a lot of gamers don't like that idea that you don't own your game at all. It's right. bad enough to buy a digital copy. Right? Yeah. And now you're not even buying the digital copy. You're just renting access to that digital copy. So if Stadia goes belly up and, you know, with Google's track record of abandoning projects, that's not an unreasonable uh, expectation to have. What happens then? You're buying these games for full price 
And the, the, the big advantage here is that you don't have to update your computer. Okay, fine. Right. But then if this thing, they pull the plug on this thing, then I just spent, you know, 60 bucks on a copy of whichever is this year's Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed 2020, because mm-hmm. who the fuck cares about the, that's how it should be now, right? Like there's Assassin's Creed 2019, 2018, 2020, right. 2017 remastered or whatever the fuck. So what happens then? You bought this game for full retail price and then now you can't play it. Like I would feel like an idiot, right? And like, how fucking tone deaf or to the room do you have to be to be a guy working, right. calling yourself a creative director for a streaming platform, and go that had one of its biggest selling points for its like fucking reveal event was having MatPat come out and be like, "Oh, you can play with us as I'm playing the game." Yes. Did you yes. not pay attention the whole fucking time? What the? So that like, if 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 a service is already like, it faces an uphill battle because the concept itself is something that most gamers aren't sold on, right. and it's being offered by a company with a track record of discontinuing services, and then you have somebody who's identifying as somebody in a position of leadership, and then he shows utter disdain for the community that has this symbiotic relationship with developers that helps propel games to stardom, that helps. Uh, basically advertise these games for a massive audience and then when everybody in the room is saying hey buddy shut the fuck up shut the fuck up oh no no he's like i i still i think is it me who's wrong no everybody else is wrong it's like that meme like the skinner children it's the children they're they're the out of touch ones and then, obviously, I imagine that behind closed doors, he must have gotten, like, a reaming, like, an epic like, oh, talking yeah. to. Like, yo, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and then, ironically, somebody pointed out, he has in his banner, on his Twitter banner, he has some fan art of uh, uh, Jacksepticeye playing, I forget the name of his game. It's a game made by Typhoon Studios, which is the studio that he was ahead of before it was acquired by, um, by Google, right? Mm-hmm. And then... He's he, so so in his in his in his uh, uh, banner, the image on top of his Twitter page, it's a fan art of a streamer showing that he clearly appreciates the fact that somebody who's that big is basically broadcasting his game to a massive following. And then somebody saw that the version of the image he uses cropped out the credit to the artist that drew it. Yep. So while he's while he's railing against misuse of intellectual property, Right, and mm-hmm. he's he's not crediting the artists that drew the streamer that helped popularize his game. So it's so backwards. It's almost like a parody of out of touch gaming execs. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, have you ever seen like for a developer? And you see it from time to time where they get ratioed to hell. But have you ever seen such a glorious unanimous ratioing of one no, guy? No, no. You usually find like the odd, especially if you're talking about like Nintendo, like they have decisions that people hate on. But then you have usually the devil's advocates who are like, no, actually, blah, blah blah. I've never seen it this unanimous that the company had to come out and say that. Forget what he said. We don't stand by any of that. Like I never seen that. Yeah, and I mean. I'm, I'm, Maybe he's just mad no one cared about Journey to a Savage Planet or whatever the fuck his last game was. Like, Yeah, that's what it, I think that's what it's called, Journey to Savage Planet. Yeah, he's like, where's my streams? Oh, they're just all blah, blah, blah. They're abusing it. I get, I mean, dude, like, you don't, you don't get to be this, um, this clueless while working with, like, industry leaders like, you know... Ubisoft, EA, and I guess if you want to call Google an industry leader in games, they're tr- they're definitely trying to get there. They have the money to try, so they have they definitely have the money to try. If not, you know, maybe not the consumer trust, but they definitely have the the cash to to try to get there. Uh, it was it was something to behold. It was like, 
And and the fact that he doubled out, like everybody, including his employer, they're all saying no. This is and some people are calling him names, so you know whatever. But a lot of people are like painstakingly, patiently explaining why. Trying like gamers, streamers, other developers, every every the company that employs him, everybody. And the guy's like, nah, I still like my 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 way better. Yeah, it's like talking to like old internet heroes who get a little out of touch and forget what made them pop in the first place. And people are trying yeah. to, people are trying to just be like, hey, dude, calm down a little bit. Stop. Like, like this no. is what you're. This is, listen to the crowd for a second there. Like for once, like you can't. Like obviously, it's a fallacy to say, well, everybody thinks you're wrong. That's not necessarily true. But in this case, dude, there's a reason everybody's saying you're wrong. It's like that rare moment of unity, not only in like. In this year, in this election cycle, but just in fucking gaming in general. Yeah, like everybody, like I said, usually when there's these controversies, you find there's argument, there's back and forth, there's like sides being, you know, uh, there's a line in the sand and you see the, the, the tribes like orienting themselves along certain, let's call it party lines. Like the people who think this way, the people who think that way, and then you have that big blowout fight over whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, but in this case, it was pretty unanimous. I didn't see, and I looked around because I was writing the script for that video. And it seemed like it was you ne- like everybody was dunking on the guy from developers to like other creators, everybody, everybody. Yeah. And then that same week, we have a little interesting article that came out, and everyone was preoccupied, so no one really cared that much or just went, ah, it's a dumb idea. But Michael, what's his name? Pachter? Pachter, I think it's Pachter. Pachter. The name sounds familiar. He must have been involved with some other like leak or something because Pachter is definitely familiar. Yeah, me. apparently he's some industry bigwig, and I'm just like, eh, it's a name I've like passing. He comes up every like five years or I something. I know for sure. I I read the name in, in about some you know uh, some other story about some analysts you know pontificating about something about the switch. I'm gonna have to Google it and see uh, why that name sounds familiar to me. Yeah, so he had a little opinion lately that caused a little stir, and you being a big switch guy that you are, saying. I don't get it. I don't know why they have the dock in the thing. It should just be the Switch Lite all the time. Not only that, but he actually said that... He says, I would He kind of said no the, one uses like the dock mode yeah, or shit. The, the actual quote, I'm, I'm seeing it right here. He says, I would say that maybe 20% of Switch owners play both modes. And I would like to know where he's getting that number from because he didn't qualify that with like nothing he didn't cite anything whatsoever no. so i i would i would hazard a guess that he's pulling that from his ass um see personally i bought the switch primarily as a portable i i didn't even unbox the dock for several months i wow. threw it in storage yeah i threw it in storage. i i'm a huge portable guy mm-hmm. so the switch was to me for the first like six months this is a portable and they came with some accessory that i don't care about that i can hook up to the tv who gives a fuck? And then once I decided to do that, to see what the games looked like, to play comfortably on the bed or on the couch, I liked the experience so much that moving the dock back and forth became a hassle. I bought a second dock, so I have one in the bedroom, one in the, uh, in the living room, and I play mostly in bed before bedtime, right? So, and because of the, con- the pandemic, obviously we're not going out as much. The switch, the portability factor of the switch became less relevant. And these days, the switch is basically just a, a it's constantly docked in, in my house, right? Mm-hmm. So I definitely see, like, I come as, as somebody who bought it strictly agreeing with what Pactor's saying. Like, this should be just a portable and has played both and now does more uh, docked. Uh, I definitely see the value in that, in, in it being a hybrid console. 
And I, I, I would like to see where he's getting those numbers from. It seems from, from the way he phrased it, like the language that he's using, it very much seems that he's just guessing. Like maybe that's his case right. and he's projecting that to like the majority of gamers. Uh, but then he says, you know, and there should be no dog. It should be just just the, the portable. But it's a hunt. It's it's a runaway like success. So right. I don't see why Nintendo would uh, would do something like this. It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like fact, I might. Oops, sorry. Like I might be wrong, no. but here I think it already within what two three years already outsold like the Xbox One. Like it's just breaking records left and right. And you're like, oh, that how main many, gimmick that sold co- people. Like- uh, yeah, that's bad. What? How many units did it sell? I, I'm, I'm out of, like, I haven't hit VG charts in a while. Let's see here. VG charts, yeah, uh, here. switch sales. I want to say 30 million, maybe a little more. I, I'm going to go 40. I want to say 45. That'll be my, uh, let's see, that'll let's be my see. bet. VG, let's see, home. Uh, let's take a look here. Global. All right, so here we go. Uh, oh, the, the site has changed quite a bit. I'm having a hard time here finding it. Let's see. Charts. Here we go. Here we go. So, uh, sw- oh, wow. I was way off. 66 million. Holy shit. Yeah. I, I really, I really haven't checked in a while. So wow. Oh yeah. So yeah, uh, they they should change it. They should definitely get rid of that doc thing. Yeah, it's the obviously it's not working out. Yeah, it's crazy because like wow. I thought I was in the minority because I was kind of like you. Like I mainly play my Switch undocked. Like my wife will be sitting on the couch and she'll be watching whatever she wants to watch. I can just sit there next to her. Can still consider it, you know, us hanging out together time. But sure, I'm just playing sure. whatever the fuck I have right now, right there. I can still yeah. bang out games or whatever. So I like I talk to my friends online and they're always like, "Oh, I never played handheld." So I'm like, oh, "I guess fuck me then. I guess I'm the weirdo." But no, it, I mean, it's I, I don't like it's such a weird take like when the console is so successful. And and they even put out a system like an option for somebody who has no interest in playing docked and right. you know gets to save like what is 100 bucks, I think. It's it's 199, like right? That. US? Yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah. So if that's your option, Nintendo is already has that covered and obviously there's added cost to offering like a separate version just for that. I think that's his argument. Like it should be just that so that they can streamline production and supply chain and like maybe could even make it a little cheaper if they're not spending time and, and, and resources and, and energy producing a different version of the system. I, I don't, I, I didn't, like, I, I, I saw this news after you sent me the link and I was doing some, some research, like, briefly. So I wasn't following this from when it broke. But I would hazard a guess, again, that the community did not agree with Pactor at all with this one. Yeah, like, you, you just can't argue with, you can't argue with the numbers. Like, you can't say it's a dumb idea and it's <laughs> a successful when it's 66 million units after three years. I will say this. He did uh, allow for the possibility of something like uh, for Nintendo, like w- the, the the world he imagined, right? Yeah. Is for Nintendo to move just to a Switch mini form factor and then perhaps offer something akin to like a Fire Stick, right? Like the Amazon. Yeah, he did mention that, yeah. Yeah, so like you'd plug that into your HDMI and then you could like stream that wirelessly. You're probably going to be introducing some latency, so there's, that's a problem. Right. And you're not going to be easily charging the system. Like by design, it's not going to be charged as you're playing on the TV, so you're also losing that. That's a big. That's a, for me. That's awesome about the Nintendo Switch. Right. I can be coming home and the battery's almost dead. I can go right back to playing while it charges. So if I have to leave again, it's fully charged. I like docks because of that. Like when you have a, a some kind of device that you have a dock for, like in my case here in my desk, I have the dock for the, the PlayStation, the, the PSP Go. Right. That means the system is always is always charged because when you're putting it away, is putting it on on the charger, right? Um, so no, I, I don't think Pactor, I, like, I, it's a weird take and yeah. especially the numbers he cited without anything whatsoever to back it up, which makes it sound like it's just a wild guess. 
Yeah, it, it sounds like an industry like Guru, who's like, I'm going to throw this out there and I'll just make up a number of people. Believe me, I'm, I'm this guy. Look at me. I wonder. Yeah, because I guess there's no there's no real, let's say, um, a cost, so to speak, to making something to seeing something like this. Because think about it. If it if this never happens, that is just his personal opinion as a Switch user. It seems like he's a, a Switch player himself. If this ever comes to fruition, he called it. You know what I mean? Right. So like, it's a super safe bet to make. Like, it's just uh, my opinion is that it shouldn't exist. If they ever for in in some by, like by some wild, some wild uh, situation, Nintendo actually decides to do away with what, what I would argue is one of the key features of a Nintendo Switch, if not the key feature. To please the one guy who says that only twenty percent of people use it, yeah. Um, then he gets to say, "See, like I, I called it. I saw the writing on the wall. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder now, if see, that's like see the new Switch Two Pro. That's just a console only. You don't need that. You can have yeah. your handheld one here. I don't know. Uh, I, I imagine. I haven't even. That story hit five hundred ninety-one comments. So that's that's a lot ah, for okay. just like. Right, well, think about it. This came out on Friday, so last week, right? Yep. And uh, and it's just some industry insider from some securities firm saying that what he thinks should... Like, it's not even a prediction. It's just like, it shouldn't be a hybrid. And that had almost 600 comments on Nintendo Life. I'm going to imagine that people are super uh, not The, the, the comment section I'm looking through now, they are, they're not too friendly. They're not too agreeable. And it seems like he has a track record of saying stupid things so uh, that's why the name sounded familiar i know i've read some story about this guy yeah because there was when it first came out like there i saw tweets that everyone's like oh i guess Pachter hasn't had any attention in five years so oh here he comes again with another dumb take yeah no that makes sense that makes sense uh yeah (laughs) no see again i knew the name sounded familiar the comments here on nintendo life confirmed to me that he, he seems to be known for 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 dumb takes i'm gonna have to google him and maybe i have I have a feeling I might have covered something he said in the past or something like that. Because that name is definitely something that I feel like I've written on a script before. Yeah. I got to look this up. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, moving on from that, though. We're going to go to a few recurring bits to close out this episode. Uh, One recurring bit that we have is called, Which is Better? So, Izzy, as a guest of honor, this is definitely for you. Which is better? The GPDXD or the Oculus Quest? Oh, okay. Those are okay. So that's that's an interesting one because they 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 fulfill different roles and they're different categories, right? But if you only have uh-huh. money for one, that's a doubt they might have, right? So um, I'm going to say I, there's a few things I have to take into consideration. First of all, of course, the price because that's usually going to be the deciding factor for a lot of people, right? The GPDXD, I think, for those who don't know, it's a portable emulation device based on Android. It has a clamshell design, double analogs dual sets of uh, analog triggers on either side. So it means you can emulate a, a vast array of systems because you have the control scheme for pretty much all of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, runs Android, like I said, very versatile. You can pretty much emulate anything very easily. And uh, it's it's a little old now. So both in like the hardware and basically the whole idea because emulation devices have moved away from Android, which I think is a mistake, but that's a whole another thing. Um, whereas the Oculus Quest, and I, I assume we're talking about the second one, right? Yeah, I would say the second one, one. yeah. It's a VR headset standalone. You don't need anything. It's just what's in the box. You put it on and you start playing, right? So as a massive fan of VR, I'm going to say the Oculus Quest only because 
you can experience what the GPD XD has to offer, even on your phone, if you have an Android phone, mm -hmm. but you can't easily experience VR in anything other than the Oculus Quest, right? Like you can buy like an Oculus Rift, but that's like on the PC, it's, there's cables, it's a hassle, it's been discontinued anyway, so it's not gonna have support for much longer. So if you're talking like bang for your buck, you can get what the GPDXD offers, obviously in, in in a limited way, but you can get that on a phone. Like if, if what you want the system to do is to emulate like PS1 and Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, as is your case, yeah, you can already do that with this. You don't have to drop the money on that. But you can't play, say, uh, I don't know, Super Hot or Onward, which is the game that I've been playing the most, on anything else, like as easily, right? So I, I'm going to go with the Oculus Quest for this one. All right. Now, going off of that, oh, sorry, where the hell did I put my topics? All right, here we go. So we like to throw hypotheticals out there to our guests. So would you rather have a full library of both the Game Boy and the Oculus Quest, but you can never use any emulator ever again, or would you go all emulators, but you can never use a Game Boy or an Oculus ever again? Oh, fuck. Uh, wait, wait, wait. So I can have the whole Game Boy library and the whole Oculus Quest library, but uh -huh. I can't use any other emulators ever, so I can't emulate, like, PS1, I can't... And you can't emulate any of that on the Oculus. Let's throw that in there, too. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um... So it's either all the emulators, but no VR and no Game Boy. Yep. Or Game... So I basically, I have to choose between the Game Boy plus VR mm -hmm. versus everything else. Right. I mean, you can always go out and buy emulation, it, you can't emulation. emulate anything ever again. Oh my god. Uh, so, in this scenario, do I lose the ability to emulate on the things I already have? That's I have to give it all up? Yes. Mm, oh all my gone. God, that's, oh my god. Oh shit. Uh, good, but I can, good, still play the, I can still play the originals, right? Like, if I buy a Super Nintendo, I can play that. Yeah, if you buy it, you can still play it. Alright, then I'd go with that. On the same premise, that it's easier to replace that than it would be to replace, like, VR. Because, like, I'm a massive VR fan. Like, it's, it's, I see it. I know that it's, it's an opinion that a lot of hardcore gamers don't share. But mm -hmm. I really do think, I don't think it's going to replace gaming. But I think it's going to be a massive, like, parallel. Like, it's going to be going side to side with, as VR becomes more affordable and more companies create AAA experiences and more gamers are convinced by the potential. I think that, like, in six, seven years, maybe, it's going to be, like, huge in a way that we, we can't possibly anticipate. So I wouldn't want to miss out on that. Because right. it's, it's, so, it's starting to get good now. I can't jump out now. It's true. And, I mean, now, here, here's a question for you. What do you think is going to be, what does VR need to be the killer app? Or is it just going to be something that's going to be, like, just nothing, something anyone expects and it just blows up? Because, obviously, like, like Half-Life Alex wasn't that for the Vive. Or, like, so far, nothing for any of these other ones have been yeah. like, oh, I have to go and get this right now. Like there are some, uh, there are some experiences in VR that I would call like a soft killer app. In that, you would recognize it. It doesn't have name brand recognition. It's not like the must-have. But you show that to even the most casual of players, and they. And I, I know this for a fact because I've done this back when like the first Quest came out, right? Like I, I demoed it to my entire social circle and family. When I travel, I take it with me and introduce it to friends and stuff. And I show a couple of games, like what I'd consider at the time were the AAA experiences on, on the Oculus Quest. And without fail, every single one of them would, at the very least, be curious about how much it costs. Like, yeah. how, where do you buy this? How much does it cost? So I was impressed at how, like, at the mainstream appeal that it had. So it, it definitely needs to, the graphics need to be better. Because I think the main thing that hardcore gamers, the problem they have with VR is that, obviously, it's 
it takes a lot from 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 the hardware to push like VR graphics, right? Like 3D photorealistic, mm -hmm. high resolution, dense textures in VR, right? It's one thing to show that on a screen, but in VR where there has to be around you, you're fully within that world. Obviously, you know, it takes a lot from the system and, and it's why VR games don't look anywhere near as good as, you know, like your, your PS5 games will look, right? So I think that's right. the main thing. You show, you show VR to a casual gamer and they're fucking blown away by it. You show it to a hardcore gamer who wants to see the best, like state of the art, bleeding edge graphics. They're like, oh, how come this shooter that you've been talking about looks kind of like, it's like slightly better looking Counter-Strike 1.6. Like that's a little disappointing. And I get it. I get it. I feel that the immersion that VR allows, right? Like when I'm playing a shooter with my buddies, right? right. Uh, Onward is the shooter that I, like as soon as I'm done here, I'm jumping into Onward with my buddies. And uh, it's an online shooter, right? Like there's like different game modes and there's, you can play like more tactical, you can play more just like run and gun. There's there's a lot of options to, to, to play. And uh, you're in the game and you have like a little radio on your chest here, right? So when you're communicating with, like if, if the gamer, like if the players are close to you, they can hear you, right? You turn towards them and then the 3D audio works in a way that like, that's how you communicate, right? Mm -hmm. If they're away from you, you have to use the radio naturally. So the radio is, there's like a little, you know, virtual radio by your chest. So you raise your hand and then you press the trigger finger here to activate it. And then you talk and that like, you hear the little crackle of radio, right? When you really? first activate it. Yeah. And then you let go of it and you hear like, it, it works really well. And the immersion is such that even though I know that there's no radio there, right? The mm -hmm. microphone is right here. It's in the visor. I can like, move away from the radio and it's going to work just as well. And still, every single time I play the game, I raise my hand, I press the button, I go like this. I know there's no radio there. <laughs> That's awesome. But the but the illusion, like you you fully buy it even though the graphics are not state of the art, right? The games are not as detailed and not as deep a lot of them as the AAA console experience that you find. That level of immersion when you have to reload a gun in the middle of a firefight and you're physically, like, I'm sure you've seen some, like, footage of, like, gameplay in VR, right? Like, you're physically, for those who are just listening, you act, like, you act it out. You pantomime the act of replacing a magazine on a rifle. So, like, you press, a, 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 like, a mag release, you pull the magazine out, you toss it, because you can do whatever you want with, the, like, the physical object in your hand, right? Like, because it very much feels like a phys there's some physicality to it. Like, you have it in your hand, and you're, like, throwing it around. You can throw it to. You can actually toss a mag to your buddy if he's run out. I've done this in games, and it feels incredible. Whoa. I even show that in the video. You'll see that. Um, so, like, you pull the mag out, you you toss it. The, the the gun is dry. You reach onto your hip where there's a little bag with like the other mags. You pull it out. You see the bullets in there. You slam it into the gun. You cock the charging handle, and you aim and you start firing again. In the middle of a game, like there's no. There's no heads-up display, right? It's mm -hmm. full immersion, right? So you right. don't know how many bullets you have left. You know how you check? You check. You pull the magazine out and you look. And by moving it around, you can like, okay, I see there's four, five, five. Okay, put it back and then go back and you know like when you're about to need to reload because in the middle of a firefight, it's fucking you're not nuts. just pressing, it's crazy. You're not just pressing square to reload. You're actually like physically ducking for cover, pulling it out, putting the next one in, cocking and then raising it to your eye matching it with your eye and then making the shot so all of that physicality your brain forgets that these graphics like they look like at best ps2 graphics right like they're not that's the main thing i think that's the main challenge of vr selling that experience to somebody who's used to like say a call of duty Warzone, like right. photorealistic graphics and all the bells and whistles everything that the, you can squeeze out of that ps4 hardware and then you go to like playing a game that's like you're super involved there's this level of immersion 
but then it looks like you know it looks like you're playing you know Counter Strike from some almost twenty years ago. So I get why there's a lot of resistance, and mm -hmm. obviously there's the price thing. Like especially when I talk to my Brazilian audience, the Oculus Quest hasn't been released in Brazil officially, so it's extremely expensive to import, and that rules it out immediately. But in in America, right? Like you can get it for three hundred bucks. Right. If you had told me, if you had told me three years ago, right, uh, that in three years time there's going to be a a, a, a VR device. That's going to be completely self-contained. You're not going to need a computer. There's not going to be any cables, no external cameras, nothing. You put it on, you hold the controllers, and you're playing. And it's only it's only going to cost three hundred dollars, and that's it. I would not. I would have. I would have thought that's like, that's like uh, uh, what do you call it? Like um, not wish fulfillment. It's like there's wishful thinking. I would have thought that's wishful thinking, completely outside of the realm of possibility. So the fact that this thing exists. Uh, it's pretty for somebody who's like I've been a fan of VR. I was I've been fascinated with the idea of VR and simulated reality since I was a kid, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like when I saw The Matrix for the first time, like that the idea of being inside a virtual world. Like I saw like you know Lawnmower Man. I saw those VR arcades back in the '90s. Those huge things that would have in the mall sometimes, yep. and that my dad would never pay because it was like too expensive and it was only like two minutes or whatever. Any story involving simulated reality or virtual reality was something that always captured my imagination. So like way before the Oculus Quest even existed, I read like Ready Player One. It's all about mm -hmm. virtual reality. Like I was like, man, like that's gonna be fucking incredible. So that now there's a device that has the possibility, has a real chance for the first time ever to make VR mainstream. It's very exciting. Like I can't imagine what it's gonna look like. Like I hope it's a big success because I want more companies even to get into this, more developers, more people to buy this, which in turn makes more developers interested because as we know, what drives development for a platform is like, hey, what's the install base? Oh, 50 million people bought this? Let's get some money going to make some games for it, right? So that's, right. I think that's, that's gonna be what, 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 that's gonna be very exciting to see in the next coming, coming years. Yeah, I also think, what do you call it, like, they should really try and push almost for, like, the younger audiences, too. Because, like, if you bring kids up with it... Because my nieces, they have they have an Oculus Quest headset. Nice. Like, we went down for a vacation. They were, like, switching it back and forth. Like, actually, funny you bring up Ready Player One. My sister-in-law's maid of honor is the wife of the guy who wrote it. Oh, shit. Clive, uh, what is it? I forget his name. Uh, Whatever his name uh, is, Ernest, yeah. Ernest Klein. Ernest Klein. Ernest Klein, that's it, yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, so, like, obviously, they're loaded now, thanks for all that shit, but... So they were like, oh, here, give the girls an Oculus Quest, and they played that shit the entire goddamn time they were down there. You had to, like, rip it off them to take them to the beach. Oh, yeah, like dude, uh, my dad, he remarried after my parents split up, and he mm -hmm. has younger kids who were born here in Canada, so they were the first nobodies who were, like, Canadians from birth, right? Yeah. And uh, and I, I'm bringing them up, so to speak, in uh, on VR, right? Because, like, I had a, a PSVR before, because that was what was available. Like, that was the easiest way to get into VR before the Oculus Quest. Because yeah. you don't have to, like, install things on your computer or whatever. Just, like, plug it into the PlayStation 4 you already have, and there you go, right? And it was very affordable, too, for the time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, now it'd be ridiculous to buy a PSVR. I mean, the library is, you know, different. It's more robust, so there's still a reason to own it. I still own mine. I would never sell it. Yeah, you have um, that, like, what, that robot game, that platformer that everyone seems Astro, to love. Uh, Astrobot Rescue, if I think, if not, That's if it, not mistaken. Yeah. It's, it's incredible, right? But because VR is still a niche, it's, like, a lot of people were touting it as, like, the Super Mario 64 of VR. And mm -hmm. it's a phenomenal game, don't get me wrong. But it is, you know, a niche space right now, so it didn't get the attention it deserved, I feel. Wasn't a hype builder, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It wasn't like, nobody's going to run, like, rush and buy a PSVR because of that game. But there's a lot of other experiences. There's, like, that Ace Combat, Ace Combat 7, I think it is, or 6. Oh, uh, that Resident would be cool. 7 yeah. is in VR, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's some games, there, there's some experiences that traditional video games 
just cannot match. There's a game uh, on the Oculus Quest, which is a bit of a hidden gem. It's not considered like a massive AAA title for it. It's called Time Stall, right? Okay. And uh, I mentioned that in the, my upcoming video about the Oculus Quest 2. You, you've seen the new X-Men movies, right? Oh, yeah. What most people would probably argue, like, in, in, it's a point that I agree. The coolest, what's the coolest scenes of, of the new X-Men movies? Like, the coolest moments? Oh, God. The, the one, one. It's like, it's all the stop motion, like, the powers are going off. Like, the Nightcrawler shit, for one. Or like, no, yeah, the, new ones, the new ones. The silver the new ones. Oh, the newer ones. Not Nightcrawler. Yeah, the, um, what the fuck's his name? Quicksilver. Like, when yes. he's running around doing all that. Yeah. Exactly. That's, I think that that's, everybody agrees that that's, like, the coolest moment of, of these movies. When, when he's, like, showcasing his powers and moving. So, there's a game that's basically, like, it, it was very much inspired by those scenes. You're in this uh, spaceship. It was the first ever crowdfunded spaceship, so obviously, it, it, it it's all fucked and it it, it, it doesn't work very well. Right. And you're a security officer, or like a, a rather safety officer, equipped with gloves that have the ability to slow down time for ninety seconds. So okay. as everything is exploding around you, it creates this puzzle-like situation where you have this limited time to move around and push things out of the way and combine things to make makeshift machines to solve the situation that's going on. So to get that moment where like things are happening, everything is going to hell around you, and you get that like, and like time slowed down. So like you see projectiles flying really slowly, and you see things falling really slowly, and you're like running around, and it's so cool because like as time stands still, like so there's like things like gravity, right? So like if you pick something up and you toss it up, it like slowly moves up. So if you if you like go of something, it just stays there. So like it's really cool. Like there's moments where you're frantically like it's you're running out of time and you have to do all these things in the right order to to beat the puzzle. So like you pick up like a box and then you find the key. You open the box, you take an item, you let go of the box, and like in VR, you're used to like just tossing things around to get it out of your way. Right. But you sometimes forget that like time is like standing still. So you toss it and you see it like slowly leave your hand and it goes like in this like slow arc away from you and it's like it's a it's it's a really cool moment that harkens back to that scene like those scenes like quicksilver scenes in the new like you feel like you're you're that character you have this power to like move things around and it's really imaginative and it's the kind of gameplay that would not be the same in a conventional 2d video game you know like to be surrounded by these things exploding moving slowly around you it's really cool those kinds of, of experiences it's it's like it's almost magical like I, and and going back to like showing this to kids like 8 bit gaming like exploded in my mind when i was a kid so right. i imagine that growing up with vr like these kids like my 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 uh, half siblings from my my father's second marriage yeah. they are crazy about vr anytime i will message him to like visit them there's not a single time that they won't say bring the oculus quest like let's play mm-hmm. vr right so, I mean, it must be extremely exciting for them, right? Because they will see, like, real VR. Like, wait 10, 15 years, and the stuff they're going to get is, like, I imagine something, like, close to, like, PlayStation 5 graphics, but, like, self-contained in VR. Like, 15 years, I don't think it's long enough. Like, I don't, I don't think it's, like, I don't think it's, it's unrealistic, you know? Like, technology moves really fast. And oh, yeah. I wouldn't have thought, I wouldn't have thought, like, three years ago, I wouldn't have thought something like the Oculus Quest would have been possible. So, I'm excited for the future. No, no, Definitely. And I mean, it'll be cool, and especially because like kids don't care about graphics as much, so they're yeah. not snobs. They don't give a fuck. So give them something fun to play that they can look all around and interact with. Yeah, there you go. And playing like online first-person shooters in VR is just—it's amazing, dude. Like, I've already I like I grew up with online gaming, right? Like back mm-hmm. in the days of dial-up, like playing Diablo on BattleNet way back then. Right. And uh, so the idea of being in this virtual 
world and I'm talking to my buddies and like we're doing this thing together was something I was familiar with. But it's completely different when the guy standing virtually next to you and he's like, talking to you games, with yeah, like some game, and shit. Yes. And like <laughs> you got that body movement, right? Like because a mm-hmm. lot of our, our communication is nonverbal, right? So right. you ask like where the shots come from? And you see the guy going like uh, he's holding the rifle, he's like, oh he's like coming from this position to going like, oh man, I don't know, I think he's over there. All of this, like, it really sells you the idea, like, the motherfucker's right here. Even though the graphics aren't great, like, you're like, this is amazing. Right. Ah, shit, man, that's cool. Okay, I gotta get a fucking... I gotta save a little bit and scrounge a little bit. I gotta get... It's cool. If you do, let's play some fucking Onward, because it's awesome. Dude, you are on. And I think, on that note, I think it's time to wrap this up. So, Izzy... Once again, dude, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was a fucking It's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. Uh, Go ahead. Plug, 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 plug yeah, all your wares, Yeah, visit my dude. stuff. Check me out. Izzy Nobri. I, I guess I gotta say Z. I Z Z Y N O B R E on all social medias, uh, uh, Twitter, Instagram. I'm very active on all of them, all, all over the place. So hit me up. All right, awesome guys, please, and we'll put the links below to his channel. So if English speakers, Portuguese speakers, or as you were saying earlier, it's just called Brazilian at this point. Uh, yes. I saw that and I was like, oh, fucking Base Dizzy's going off right now. So, yeah. yeah, go check out all of his links. Check him out. Follow him on all the socials. He's a great follow. Hell of a guy. And once again, uh, for all of you people who are new to the show, make sure, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, hit that subscribe button. Really helps us out. Leave a comment. Let's us know that you're watching. Hell, leave us a five-star review and bash us. Like, you know, who are these podcasts say? Whatever you want to do, we don't care. We'll read the fi- any five-star review you give us. So until next time, guys, cheers. <laughs>